0: In 2012 Irish Rallying lost one of its shining lights. Rory Galligan was just 39 years old when he succumbed to motor neuron disease. In his short life he achieved a massive amount, winning the inaugural Billy Coleman award in the year 2000, which provided a platform to go on and win the Peugeot 106 Super Cup a year later. His undoubted talent saw him win the Mitsubishi Evo Challenge in 2004, which secured him his second works drive. Having done so already with Peugeot in 2002, here we discover Rory Galligan the person and Rory Galligan the driver. Over the next couple of hours we will hear from those who really knew the Old Castleman and we commence the programme by hearing from Greg Shinners and Gordon Noble who both had the honour of sitting alongside the supremely talented Meadman.
1: Rory Gallagher, the driver, was a very measured, methodical guy. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, and it was very smooth. And obviously, a very good mechanical sympathy, and could drive the car to the actual ultimate. Um, outside the car, I would say he was even slightly, slightly shy, but he was extremely determined. Like determ- determination was his mental. You know, whatever <clears throat> happened, Rory is going to get through it or over it or any anything else. And I think he proved that quite a number of times over the sort of chips chips were down there would be rallying or uh, financial things or whatever he was always able to come back and sort of work at it even in the last few years he still was able to you know have a a, as much of a positive thing in his life as as he sort of could but you know um two slightly different characters when the helmet was on he was you know he was was smooth and determined and quiet but um, outside the car was very very determined and keen to make it make it happen and greg what what do you think of the, the person then
2: yeah something similar guardy um look, look when the lead went on he was incredibly focused um he gave it 110 percent um and expected the same of everybody within the team you know the goal was to deliver for whoever whatever he represented be it peugeot mitsubishi Respa, or more ireland um you know he was very mindful of, of who he represented and my god was he focused um I suppose the big thing about Rory the driver and and, and Rory the person for me was that he, his brain, like he was just, he was a step ahead. Um Obviously, he could steer with, you know, serious ability, car control, commitment and everything, but but his brain, he was always a step ahead. He could obviously see the bigger picture inside and outside the car.
0: Mm-hmm. So in terms of the timeline of events, guys, Gordie, look, I'll start with you because we're going back to, you know, the Peugeot is the, the 106 Cup, and, you know, out of a lot of the, the big names that um were involved at that particular point, you did happen to sit with quite a few of them. Rory was in there, of course, and uh, he enjoyed great success in, in 2001. But uh, your, your time alongside him came a little bit after that, I think. But before we delve into that maybe in detail, when did you first come across this guy and, um, and then ended up in the seat with him, I suppose? Talk us through that.
1: Well, I suppose I first became aware of Rory, and I was aware of him kind of on a, a slight way. He we, had done a few rallies in Galway and a few things like that, and that little Peugeot one was going fast, and a few people were talking about him, but I didn't really know, know about him. That's probably ninety seven, nine ninety eight time, but ninety nine, the first that Peugeot championship started, the um, one hundred six cup was then brought in, and the prize, of course, was driving, driving this driving this world car in. Uh, 2000 so there was uh, from memory i think there were 50 drivers turned up um at the start of that 99 year um and the very first event was a not a proper rally but one of those rally rally sprint things around silverstone on a wee rallycross type track was in in there and rory appeared there and he was competitive immediately all he had to do with there was drive there was no pace notes or maps or any of those sort of things um but the one thing that sticks out in quite a number of people's minds if anybody was there there was a bit of controversy as it would be without any of these things you get 50 guys all determined to win and um i think it was kevin ferber who managed to get himself some sort of um a rerun I mean, everybody's allowed three runs and your fastest time was the one that counted but ferber got a rerun through somebody that was slower ahead of him and he was one of those guys that was competitive now there was probably was a dozen guys at least all very very close um but then Everybody else was kind of up in arms because Ferber got an extra, extra run, his car was warm and tyres were warm. And I can still remember Rory standing with Mick, Mick Linford, who was the the the, the, Pe- the Peugeot chief at the time, with his finger up, I guess, here in his, in his face, reminding him that you know, this was not going to, going to be allowed and there was nobody getting any sort of um, preference. No, and things and things like that. From the first day that he ever saw me, realised this guy was determined. He was going to make it work. And the fact that he was he was fast. I mean, if he had been twentieth, nobody would have really worried. The fact that he was there and he was—I I don't know if he won or how well he got on that particular day. I know that Mark Mark Fisher finished finished fourth. That's—I was involved with him at the time, so I didn't know that. But I can still remember Rory going up to Mick to Mick Linford with finger in his face and saying, "You know, this is not going to happen. You're not going to have anybody. So anybody sort of special in that." And um and from from the from the sort of get go everybody realized that rory was compel- extremely competitive both in the car as a driver now to the car and determined to make it happen and uh in that first year mark fisher and i were there and i say there was a, 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 from memory i think there was a maximum of 50 cars turned up on those events so it didn't matter who you were everybody was there to kind of when it was us, it was Martin Sansom who won a couple of years later. Um, Marcus Dodd had stepped down from doing the Na- Anchor National Championship. Niall McShay was there. He became a world champion a couple of years later. Um, Ryan, Ryan Champion was cut, cutting his teeth. So all the guys were there and they were competitive and there was big ri- rivalry. Um, but I think one of the things that's happened since, I suppose, is the Motorsport Ireland uh, uh, Academy has happened. And I think that would have helped Rory at that time because he came over to UK with a, a car was the same as everyone else, isn't the guy? Because I actually able to drive, but he had, he was initially he was missing all the little bits of bits that that sort of academy would teach you about co-driving, prep preparation, rallying from maps, um, doing a bit of recce that he wasn't as proficient with whenever every set out at first, and all those little things kind of probably held him back for that first year, I would say, you know, um, but when he got his um his bit between. His teeth into it. They it really got it to work, you know. And throughout that year, then, as far as as far as I remember, Tom Walsh came on came on board to try and help to manage the things. Um, he got Bobby Willis to do a rally in the middle of the year when it was on 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 maps to try and help his performance. So, and you know, that was that ninety nine year. I don't know where he finished, but he was very close to the top on all all of the rallies, you know. And then this was, um, Rory and I's path kind of diverged slightly in 2000 because Mark Fisher and I went to do some... Uh, we got we won that Peugeot, Peugeot prize and we were waiting for mm-hmm. someone else. And Rory was back in the Peugeot championship with... Uh, Jonty was with him, then he had start, uh, started up. Um, but in 2001, then post the Fisher tra- tragedy, I ended up with some guy called Chris, Chris Meek. And him and I headed off to this Peugeot championship as well. And as you can imagine, Chris Meek was fast, Rory was fast, and both of them were... Extremely uh, competitive, and none of them are going to give each other an inch. And throughout that whole year, every rally we went to, Nick, you know, when I was, I was with Chris, and it wasn't a matter who's going where, but what about R- R- Rory? Where, where is he? How is he getting on? And things like that. And a couple of big rivalries there. You know, both very fast and both determined. Um, Rory ended up winning that championship, obviously that year in two mm-hmm. thousand and one, and then um, I'm not sure how exactly it all panned out, but you know, between one thing and another, I was involved with Peugeot and um, got on well with the team in kind of general. Um, And I was seen as being sensible at the time, I suppose. So um, Rory and I then teamed up to drive that works car in 2000 and and, uh, and, uh, and 2002, which is a fantastic opportunity for both of us, really, you know. Um, And good times were had by them, by both of us then, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. and obviously you know you mentioned uh, the rally academy um rory was the first ever billy coleman award winner back in in 2000 it's hard to believe it's back in 2000 like and um you know obviously you've kind of touched on the benefits of that and you know a bit of experience and greg you might even dip in on this because i know you're involved currently in terms of the academy and the importance of that and you know how much value is placed on that by by uh by drivers and co-drivers nowadays so to have that come in at the time must have been a big, big thing. Like, and still is to this day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's huge. You would say what the academy offers the 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 young blood today going forward. Maybe if we had it back in our day, you know, the the wealth of knowledge and experience that the, the mentors have on offer. Um, like any of these young drivers, co-drivers, any event that they're that they're looking at, I'd imagine someone of the mentors has been there and done that particular event before and uh, can give them an insight to the do's and don'ts and the and the the tougher elements of of a given event um not to mention what what else the academy offers with the you know the sports psychologist and the fitness nutrition uh the development days and car set up and you know it's it's the full package you know in fairness and um yeah look bro, rory broke the mold back in the day you know he was probably one of the first young men to to put a car on the boat and, and compete away from home, probably the first maybe since Billy Goldman. And yeah, it was fitting that he's the, the inaugural Billy Goldman award winner. But yeah, like the youth of the day are following in Rory's footsteps, you know, in fairness.
0: Mm-hmm. Gordy, going back to O2, I mean, the season wasn't without drama. <laughs> you know, obviously your, your own relationship with him was quite good, but you did have a few little misdemeanours inside in the car throughout that year.
1: Oh, we did indeed. I mean, I, I suppose by the time that, that, that year came, both of us were quite aware of each other throughout those seasons of rallying uh, uh, together and kind of uh, against each other and things like that. So 2002, when we knew we were going to team up, we went and um, took Rory, took his, his, his pugil Cup car, converted it to left-hand left hand uh, drive, and then we went and did a few did a few rallies in that first to get uh, used to each other and him left-hand drive and all that sort of, sort of stuff. and. We had a few good events. We went to a rally called the Winter Rally in Telford, and I think we finished third or fourth overall in one of those Ancro rounds, which was amazing for that little that little car, you know. Um, then we went to a rally in North, North Wales and had a huge crash in Einig that week. The wee car was absolutely scrapped. There was no wheels. The, the back wheels were off it, and the front of it was really massed, messed up badly. And that was a bit of a bad, bad day for both, both of us. That was Rory's rally car that he had for the last three three years uh wrecked you know but then we the, the the other works team bit was good because we were getting all this backing and we had the works team and we didn't have to worry about the cost of the tires the cost of fuel and it was a matter of turning up and wrecking and driving and doing all those, all those sorts of things and for sure every time we went to a rally there was a maximum effort made in terms of the recce and the practice and all the things behind behind the sort of scenes um uh, and we, unfortunately, we had a few mechanical issues throughout, throughout throughout the year. I think we had a cam belt break at least once with an engine go, um, stuff like that, which didn't help us in anywhere at all, you know. But um, lots of fast, fastest times and and and, and that, that, that sort of stuff. And again, Chris Meek was one of our main rivals. Again, Chris had then went to that little Puma that he was with and, and sponsored by Colin at the time, so he was one of the rivals. Another guy that was going going faster. So that rivalry still. Came on a, on a head through through then and again none of the two boys would give each other uh, each, each other uh, uh, an inch you know, and the ultimate of that was the Scottish Rally and uh, that works car where, um, throughout the event we were having a good uh, a really good good race. Um, jo- Justin Dale who was our, our team partner, went off in a uh, landed in a in a river, um, I'm not sure who 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 in the other Puma was racing but they had fallen by the wayside so it was us and Mick was racing right right to the end. Um, and uh, we got slightly ahead. Um, sorry, Chris got slightly ahead at the very last, the very last stage. But then he had a what's called a, few, um, a fuel issue on the way back from the la- last stage back to the act- actual finish. So we got back to the finish within our own own time, etc. And waited about and um, assumed we were going to win that sixteen hundred class. Was a big k- kudos. For us got to the actual fin- finish ramp, got up, got champagne sprayed it in and then got back there. I no need to find out that Chris Maker eventually got himself back into um phrase where the rally was was ending and had somehow convinced the organizers that the uh that the road book, uh, was wrong so he should have been finishing the rally so we had a swap and then we had to get off the, off the podium and chris and uh, chris could on i know that rory found that difficult to to kind of live with he felt that chris had take uh, taken one away from him there you know um so it was good a very very good year you know a very good team Peugeot were really good to us and things yeah um, mm-hmm. we had another, uh, if people watch YouTube, you'll remember Roy and I had a bit of a spectacular crash the, um, gym, on, on the gym, Jim Clark rally Um it's probably a bit of a pace note issue to tell you the truth because the recce was one of those two pass recces, and somehow I had written down the notes twice on my actual page and when it came to the rally I actually read them out the way they were on the page which wasn't the, the correct way and landed at this junction at, I don't know, 40 mile an hour too fast, I'm sure. Landed in this barley field. We were in the, the Peugeot and the barley was high, higher higher, than us. We drove around the field looking for, a, looking for a gate, but when we found what looked like a gate, we were actually about five feet above, above a road and dropped out over onto our nose into a drain. Um, somehow got ourselves out of that drain, which is on the actual access road. I think it was a brand new jeep came and got us towed out and drove it back to back to service again and continued to eventually finished. but a bit of a disaster from that. But, you know, i think ultimately we, you know we we had a few prizes here and there with a few second classes and that sort of stuff and a few good a few good runs with quite a lot of stage signs were good but the results at the end of the year didn't really um just justify you know rory's pace and the, the ability of, of the actual car and stuff but um unfortunately as far as i was concerned when that year was over then rory didn't have a particular program for the year, year after um I was lucky enough that Peugeot then invited me to go and do that championship again with Gary, with Gary Jennings the year after. And um, but Roy did very, very few rallies for the year after until they came back with the e- Evo in 2004 again. So, hmm. um, plenty of stories with that 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 year. But all of them are very you know, my mind is all very positive. But the speed, speed we were going, and about the team and the ethos and the the happy days we had, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you know, having looked back at some YouTube videos, uh there is quite entertaining and, and colourful language at times That Well f- it. Yeah. Well look, Greg, um, Greg, before I bring you in here, um and we talk about all four and obviously the Evo challenge, um just some of the names there that, that Gordy's mentioned, the caliber of these guys and and Rory, you know, up there with them as well and Meek in particular, while he went on to achieve and stuff. Like We'll come to your experience of sitting alongside Rory and stuff. But this guy, it seemed like this guy was the absolute limit. Like.
2: Yeah, look, sure look, there's no doubt he had the hunger, passion, and commitment. Um obviously he had the speed. Look, we will never know. Unfortunately we'll never know. But yeah, look, he was he was fighting tooth and nail with Chris Meek and we know how far Chris Chris Meek went. Um but yes, that, that's life, isn't it?
0: Yeah. looking uh, look enough for um Back alongside John D wins the EWA challenge, you know, which is obviously where, where you kind of come in in along that time frame. Now you tell me before you actually did go in with Rory that there was a few, I don't know what you call false starts, but possibilities of um a seat alongside that just didn't accrue. And I don't know if you're if you're at liberty to discuss why that didn't happen, but maybe uh, combine that with how it did actually happen and how you did end up alongside for all five and six
2: yeah I suppose between the jigs and the reels, over the years um obviously i'd been aware of Rory giant killing in the green 205 and then when he went um in the 106 Cup in 99 um somewhere around mid 2000 there was talks of he and i doing something in the Puma in Belgium or something i think um it it didn't materialize um and again um there was another possibility i think um Galloway hills the end of or three when he came back. Um, he's his, his, his first foray in, a, in an evo i think a dirty job evo 5 for for galloway hills uh a late call and I, I, I couldn't commit but um, yeah maybe it was third time lucky we'll say for the um the brc campaign in zero five um yeah janty was to was to travel and uh at the 11th hour things changed and um yeah i i got the call um and and the rest but yeah look it it, it was um it was a huge opportunity for me, but to the, to the tricky, I, uh, to, the, to the sticky wicket in 2005, I was committed to the Forest Championship with Kelly and the Champions Championship to Ray White. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel good about about not honouring my commitments to them. But look, I spoke with both drivers and when they realised how with an offer, they could appreciate that it was something very worthwhile. And, um, you know, that, 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 that they had no issue with me, with, with me going with Rory. So,
0: you kind of get a feeling that there is a clear step up here and is that entirely in relation to preparation is it in relation to talent is it in relation to all these things or what were those standout things with rory that were different to maybe everything else you would see in prior to that and the setup
2: yeah i suppose at the, the, the whole package um to my first time being part of a team or works team um representing a manufacturer to my first full brc campaign um, okay, when the, the the Irish Tarmac Championship overlapped with the uh, with the BRC rounds in the previous years, I had experience of the Tarmac rounds and some gravel rounds, but I I hadn't done. I had done five of the eight rounds before, so um, you know the two-pass convoy in, in in the forest is a different ball game. Um, representing a manufacturer is, is a different ball game. You know, being a team player and and possibly having to to drive to team orders, all that was looked to a look, whole new level, a whole new experience. Um, but Rory, that came naturally to Rory, I'm sure, from the from the Peugeot days, um, and he knew he knew what what we in the Mitsubishi short entailed that you were representing a manufacturer, and um, like he was he was an excellent ambassador and excellent at at PR at, on, on that front, and very mindful of who and what he was representing. And what was expected of him, you know, like we were in the works car as Gordy said, we didn't have to worry about the cost of tyres and fuel. You were given the best car. Best tires best fuel you were expected to be the best crew and you were expected to win so um yeah all that brings it down pressures you know
0: yeah and everything outside of that then is, is ultimately probably deemed a failure but you know the guy seemed very well equipped to, to deal with all that pressure he seemed to thrive on it in fact from from stories that i've heard in researching this program and no different to uh, what gordy um i suppose alluded to regarding or two, there was a, a few little ups and downs and hiccups. so one particular standout moment has to be in round eight when the scissors comes out of the pocket and he's going to adjusting the steering wheel, and all of a sudden you're driving the Mitsubishi.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I don't think he was too happy. I don't think I was carrying enough speed for him. But um, yeah, look, in fairness, there, there, there's so many. That's funny looking back, but by God, it wasn't funny when when the the little ring of Allen bolts was came, came loose, that the, the wheel came loose from the boss. Um, he said it on the intercom, but like there, there's so much you can take from that. Like the fact that he knew I had the scissors in the bag, you know, and he was quick enough to think that he could he could make it work. Um so um yeah, look, it, it obviously wasn't it was, it was, it was, uh, it was challenging in the car at, at, at that point in time to try and hang on to this yoke. And uh, but anyway, what I did was um I could I kind of scanned the page and I could see there was there was a long distance overhead. So uh, I called a six hundred distance um called it too early but deliberately so and as soon as rory heard the 600 um he, he said give me your scissors and uh yeah next thing he's he's taking the wheel with the scissors and i'm steering um and within a single or second of the scissors was was fired back at me and rory was back at the wheel literally and my god was it was it some tilt from there till the finish um he was just gone beyond the car's ability you know but would that
0: be an example greg of what you mentioned in terms of being a step ahead and the brain thinking a little bit differently that as soon as 600 is called right there we go impulse straight away get me that scissors i'm getting this done
2: absolutely yeah and look like rory didn't take no for an answer you know he he, he didn't accept no he didn't accept he had a club and a sportsman he could take his beating no problem whatsoever but he didn't give up um and yeah like plenty young at the time there was there was young lads that he would have been mentoring as well and um, i forget who it was now but met some and some of it met some lads at service and said he'd lost second gear and rory said drive around your problems you know there was there was no long face there was no moaning about losing second gear. to drive around your problems um and the very same he, he certainly practiced what he preached you know
0: yeah guys like isn't it strange that the characteristics that you refer to there obviously seems to be the characteristics he used in dealing with the illness. He, he he seemed to just work around it. Like, I mean, I think there's a five or six-year period from diagnosis time to the time he actually passed away. But those things you're mentioning there just seem to be, you know, in a weird roundabout way, him being equipped to just go and deal with it. And it didn't seem to change during the time he was ill as well. Without knowing the full thing and without going into the full thing, guys, that just seems to be... Uh, a bit of a standout there from his demeanour. Is that accurate, would you think?
1: Yeah, Kevin, I think he never did anything like that, kind of put him down or make him sort of step back, even in the, the, the last year when he was actually competing and it was difficult um, to be even allowed to actually drive. He was making a big effort the day before the rally or even the morning of the rally, driving from his house to Dublin to get some doctor shirt to get back to the rally to get be allowed to drive. And that level of determination, you know, you could 99 percent of people would just could give up but he he wasn't going to give up he was positive about the whole thing and thought about everybody else around him and who he was as craig says who he was rep representing and so on so no uh, fantastic character exactly right you know mm-hmm. greg just to go back a bit on on 05 then so
0: obviously that results in in second for you in the, in the production and going into 06 then you know Finland in particular has to be a standout and if you want to bring in something else here as well that's absolutely no problem but the makings of, of Finland and the actual experience of it as well and the few headaches that you maybe encountered in terms of uh, getting the entry in and, and a few adjustments that, that had to be made.
2: Yeah I suppose like, like Finland came out of nowhere and I suppose it started, I got a phone call from, from Chris from ADR and I think it's Tuesday afternoon that like you're doing Finland, entry close in an hour, get the entry in you're just trying to process this. Um, Yeah, um, but I suppose just to to go to to double back before I I get into the Finland story, like, you know, 06, which uh, firstly, Rory was retained on merit, 05 was a prize drive, 06, Rory was retained on merit in the the Mitsubishi factory team. Not alone that, but the BRC was going Group N for 06. So, you know, everybody was, there was no WRCs, it was all, everybody, the best of the best were going to be there in Group N machinery. and we were there now retained on merit it wasn't a scholarship drive rory galligan was 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 a factory driver on merit because of on and, and, and the strength of, of his performance the previous year so like everything you know zero six should have been rory's fairy tale the year with, with with the brc going group n rory retained on merit um and unfortunately things things un, unraveled a bit i suppose we were waiting in the first round was the Pirelli in may um and unfortunately we didn't get very far um and it's just something so innocent we just ran wide early in the first stage and while to two into the first stage slipped into a, a drain no big deal and climbed up out of it but we're so unlucky that a stone bashed the oil filter i like him on game over um this round two then was the um the jim clark and we had it with a massive battle with mark higgins and, and rory kennedy um, in, in the Stobart Silver Roll with a massive ding dong battle on the weekend, um, and for a finish we tied after two days of, of fighting to the nail. We tied and um, we lost the tie break, and, 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 and Mark and, and Rory got the nod over us. But I think on the on the back of that, I think the Irish Rally fraternity started to take note of of Rory's pace and. Um, i suppose with people becoming aware of the illness the irish rally fraternity literally rallied around to try and to try and do something special for rory and that was that was what preempted the finland um experience opportunity you know and that was that was compliments of the irish rally fraternity and and rory was very very mindful of that and and very grateful of it um and i think you know in fairness him like he he made sure that there was a decal on the card to acknowledge that this that this was funded by the, the Irish running community um so it was it was a lovely gesture which Rory really appreciated um I suppose the fact he had been there in 2000 in Astra, he had a bit of experience of the territory, and I had been there with, with uh with uh Hugh in a legacy in, in zero one so we, we had a bit of experience but um yeah look the priority was to get around and get the full experience of the event and get to the finish and um yeah, it was lovely to be at the finish ramp and, and plenty of tricolours there, you know. Mm-hmm. And
0: you can go and tell us a story about having to change your bits if you want, but if you, if you want that's that's okay too. Um, I don't think we're going to get in trouble at this particular point, but I'm mean, making reference to the entry and uh, the machinery, obviously, because uh, that, was, that was a change. But, you know, it seemed to transpire that he was happy enough. I think initially, was it meant to be a WRC drive, and then,
3: yeah,
1: oh,
0: that's right, yeah,
3: yeah. Look
2: initially like, again the idea was that it was going to be Rory doing a WRC event in a WRC car with a WRC team, which would have been just phenomenal. But um the reality that uh, the cost of it was just, just wasn't attainable. Um, so we were going with we we it transpired that we, we were going with our own BRC ADR team in in um in his all five E1-9, Rory's all-5 car, which was now up to E1-9 spec, um, which, was probably, which was probably a good thing because that meant that Rory was going in a right-and-drive right car that he was familiar with, with a team he was familiar with, and there was less unknowns, and it, it probably made the whole experience more enjoyable. Yeah, okay, like, there's no TBAs and a WRC entry form, and uh, yeah, we, we, we had to jump through a few hoops to, to change. um. Change the car and change the cast, but look, everything everything was 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 started through the proper procedure before anything was published, so it wasn't a problem. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a different ballgame, You don't just rock on like you do at home, you know.
0: So, Greg, in two thousand and nine, obviously there's uh, there's another story that you know I'm sure uh, you wouldn't mind sharing with uh, our listeners and viewers in relation to when you were going up against Mark Higgins in uh, in the Isle of Man. This time, obviously, you're alongside Keith Cronin and. Um, Maybe you'll take it up from here actually it's probably the best thing yeah yeah fair enough
2: i suppose look that the moral of the story is is uh the mark of the man the mark of rory and what i keep saying about his brain and he he'd been a, a step ahead uh 2009 the, the brc i suppose kind of was a dogfight between um mark higgins the stalwart and Keith Cronin, the rookie and um we'd say going going to the manx like the word at home, and the word in West Cork was, you're going to Mark Higgins' backyard, you haven't no a hope, basically, was, was the consensus, go and drive for a finish, um, that was the word from the hurlers in the ditch, I know from my experience sitting beside Rory, that like with the pace that Rory had in the Manx, we possibly didn't have the look, maybe, but we certainly had the pace, and we were on, you know, that Mark Higgins was beatable in the Manx, long story short, um, and I kept telling Keith that he is beatable, it is he is doable. Um, so, look, we, we had an epic battle with Mark on the event in, in, in the Isle of Man. We led, he led, he, we had problems, he had problems. Long story short, Mark Higgins won the rally, but he had 10 fastest stage times and we had 10 fastest stage times. And uh, I, I'm sure Keith's, Keith's pace raised a lot of eyebrows. So, roll that on. on the Sunday, coming home from the Isle of Man, got off the boat and coming home, I called to see Rory. Now, again, the whole Irish Rallying fraternity, as I say, had us written off before we, before we got to the island. Um I called to see Rory on the way home and when I went in, the greeting I got was, like everyone else was saying, well done, fair dues, some pace, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the greeting I got from Rory when I landed at his house was, why didn't you win? And that was it. Silence, you know. It wasn't a case of well done or you were lucky it was, why didn't you win? And uh, like he wanted an answer like you know like Rory didn't take no for an answer but the moral of the story is that uh, you know Rory knew that it was possible to, to get on Mark Higgins pace and beat him in the Isle of Man because he'd been there and um you know um when when, when everyone else when all the hurdles in the ditch were saying no you're you're wasting your time mm-hmm. um Rory's brain Rory was looking at the bigger picture and you know um like why didn't you win you know that's just a mark of the man, I think if, if, if you can get where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah, and Gordy probably just the mark of, of standards and upholding those standards and just no excuses essentially, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly right, Kevin. He he made his biggest effort and made sure that there was nothing that couldn't, you know, that should should happen, that didn't actually happen then. He expected everybody else to do to do exactly the same. I suppose Greg and I were lucky enough that we we had done a few done a few rallies before we, we actually went we, with him to so a bit of knowledge of what was um uh, expected of us and then it didn't become pressure, it just became the norm if you know what I mean but I'd say for a rookie they would have found it difficult to get in there because you did expect to do everything perfectly there was no half measures, there was no thinking about something, you had to be a, the answer immediately you know, and it had to, had to be right and so on but that then helped to bring the whole of the rest, rest of the team on I mean the people that worked at, at the car at home knew that, you know the guys in the sort of garage at the, before they ever went, went to the rally, they were making the maximum effort and everybody else was gaining, gaining out of it I think one of the the other legacies that I think about is the two o five challenge that Rory then developed uh, uh, later on in his, year, in, his, in his time, and that was his way of giving some something back and te- teaching guys how to build a car, how to make it work, and then how to actually dri- drive it as well. And it's quite a few boys got a, a lot of good um, experience cheap out of that, you know. So I think it was important that he, he left that bit of a legacy with those those guys behind him as well. Corey, I believe you have one more um, story for us before we uh, finish this particular segment. Yeah, one more quick bit of a story, Kevin, is when they were doing the British Championship in that um, works car, the uh, Rally of Wales, I think it was, we spun on one of those for us, very innocuous little spin, just ended up sort of half-parked. Half um, and we were carrying the camera for... BBC or whoever was covering it, and the the only thing that people remember about is, is not the speed we were going or the time times, whenever we got stuck, and there was no people about, all, all, all I heard was Gordy, toot the horn, Gordy, toot the horn, Gordy. and that was played over and over and over again, toot the horn, Gory. So that was another happy memory that people keep regaling to me as time as time kind of go, goes on, you know. Greg, anything from you there before we finish?
2: Um, I suppose there's load I suppose just be. Um... Scotland as it was, Scotland 05. Um, I remember meeting Tom Walsh at an event or being in Tom Walsh's house, and he showed me a photo of Rory in the 106 in Scotland. And uh, now this is this is back um, 2001 or two in, in Tom Walsh's house one night, and they're looking at the photos of this black 106 in Scotland. And I remember Tom admiring the photo and saying like that that Rory loves Scotland and he always goes well in Scotland. You now just hold that thought. Then would say when I was sitting with Rory a few years later. Um, I remember teasing him one day. And anyway, long story short, tower gravel, tower gravel, and he said, "You know, gravel, but dry gravel." So um the Scot- Scottish zero five was our second event, uh, and I can tell you it was dry gravel. And I just remember, like the, you know, I, I just remember was worth ringing in my ears, like um the commitment um and and the gravel in, in the Scottish. Like we we led the event, you know, on, on the Friday night we were holding on second overall. Saturday morning. We, we led the event for a stage but talk about punching above your weight um but yeah rory Gallagher on dry gravel in scotland using every millimeter of the road yeah i'll never forget that
0: now I'm delighted to be joined by uh, tom walsh who uh, managed rory Gallagher back in the day tom you're very welcome on the irish rally podcast you are of course uh, paying tribute to uh, rory hard to believe i suppose that uh, it is 10 years since he has passed away but uh you know we're here we're here to tell you a story and um now that you have a good few of those from your time involved uh, in the management of them
4: yes indeed kevin um delighted to, to, to get involved and help pay tribute to rory like who was i have to say one of the greatest guys i ever dealt with I met and worked with he was <clears throat> absolutely incredible guy in in every respect um but uh, uh, and it's again when you say it's ten years, when you rang me and said it was ten years, couldn't believe it. Uh, how time flies. Yeah, um, I, I suppose I didn't know very much about Rory Gallagher. And I have to say, back in the late nineties, because uh, I wasn't taking a lot of heated things like that. I was kind of had actually semi dropped out of rallying, haven't been involved in it for years with various people over the years, and I kind of dropped out and was doing nothing, and. Uh, James Foley rang me one night and said, There's this guy up in me called Rory Gallagher, and we have to try and do something to get him going because he said he's unbeatable. He said, I have one of the best Honda Civics in the country. He said, And he has probably one of the worst QG or 205s. He said, And I can't beat him. So it kind of started from there. We, 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 um, we touched base. James organized a trip to the RAC rally, spectating. He said, We bring Rory over and let him show him, let him see what the the, the big time is like and try and where his appetite, you know. So I had contacts at that time. So we went to the M Sport Camp and we went to the Pro Drive Camp and had a, had a good weekend, I have to say, chasing about and spectating and enjoying it. And the Peugeot Cup um idea had been launched at that stage just around that time I think this was 98 i think it would have been probably november 98 or ac and Peugeot launched the the idea this peugeot 106 cup for the following year and it looked interesting you know you could get a car the price wasn't too bad you buy the kit put it together yourself it, and it would be strictly police so it seemed like a good idea and we said look if you want to find something let, let's have a crack at it you know so to be fair to rory he went off got organized and uh, and and put the thing together and set out
0: on, on the journey that was the future cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you take much persuading, given the fact that you had a you know a little bit of time spent away from it? I know, um, we all we all know, I suppose, the connection to to Billy Coleman and stuff and various other drivers as well. But why why Rory in particular? Did you did you just see that little bit of a spark in him then, having got that phone call? Um, because you know you might say to yourself, look, I'm away from this now and I'm kind of happy enough. You obviously saw something in him to to make you go back.
4: Um, yeah, he 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 kind of struck me immediately as as being very determined. You know, there was, even though we had there was no plan initially when we were chatting and talking, but he had that kind of determination in him, and he had he had a real intelligence. You could tell he had a real intelligence about it, which is one of the critical things in in in, in rallying. You know, you you. You really do need to, you need a brain that reacts quickly and thinks quickly and makes the right calls, you know. So he had, you know, it was just something that struck it. We kind of struck it off, you know. And uh, I thought, you know, if we could do help him in some way, let's do it. So we we um, we we kind of got that idea going. Um, I think maybe even before that, Sean McHugh here from my own club Mayo i uh, can't remember whether it was before i met rory i'd say it was before i met rory himself and, myself, himself and myself were going to the galway rally pr launch one night and uh, he was talking about rory and that in fact is where the the Colonel of the billy coleman award came out. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, had this idea you know irish rallying was flat out at the time maximum entries money you know plenty entries and he really thought if he could get some bit of spin-off money-wise and support the young guy and and that's how did that sean to be fair to him and the male club put forward the idea of motorsport island and it was taken on board and the billy coleman war was created and as as Luke, uh, with with the whole idea first of all of trying to get something behind rory and while we went off and did the future cup in 99 um in england and it was a baptism of fire for rory um he, he had some i can't i can't remember the particular results now but he 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 definitely starred in it even though he didn't win it i think mark fisher might have won the first one you know that year okay. and um but the, the billy coleman award got created and lo and behold at the end of the year rory was the first winner of the billy coleman award because he, he met all the criteria you know and mm. it was 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 a very worthy winner of it. Um, and used that money then in the following year or so uh, to go on and, and eventually win the the 106 or Cup, you know. Yeah. And that was probably one again, like one of the best series I ever was involved in. Like the the competitive element of it was crazy. Like there were like people would think now what Plutar one oh six Cup would you be looking at, you know my own Kids at the time, there were teenagers coming on, and they would go to a rally, and they would only go to watch the one hundred sixes because the, the, the these guys were driving those cars absolutely on the door handles, um, and and they were respected, you know, with with, with the the people I mean, you had like the Mark Fisher and. Um, Chris Meek even, I think uh, the last year Rory won it, it came to a battle between Rory and Chris on the last round. Now, Chris mm. was only in his first year of Ryan, but it was very obvious from the first day he got in the car that talent was there. And, uh, mm.
0: it, the, like all in around the one time, Tom, Yes, Gary Jennings, Ryan Champion, all these guys in, yeah. in at the one time, you know?
4: Yeah, there were a string of guys. There was a guy called Martin Sanson in England, whom we'd never heard of since he won it the second year him and Rory had some philosophy battles you know uh they they were they were really really competitive guys but inevitably most of them didn't have the money you know they had talent they could shine in a series like that but they never got the breaks you know um which is the story of rallying all over you know. but Mm -hmm. I have to say it was really the most competitive series and it was a great family like there was It was great fun, great crack between everybody involved. I'm sure Greg Greg would have been involved in the Mitsubishi side of it, but um, um, Gordon Noble was involved with with Mark Fisher in those times, and like the absolute fun we had. And i always remember there was a whole load of Irish crews got involved in it. I can't remember, but at various times, often we'd be on the boat from Dublin to Hollyhead on a Friday night, uh, and there'd be four or five Irish crews all sitting around the table, and me trying to explain to the co drivers that you can't just rock up to the control anytime you like when you go over here. Like, you won't just give them the time you're asking for, you know, and trying to put them on the straight. So, we used to have little semi co driving courses on the way over on the boat. So, it, it was a great time. and one person that really made that all work in the Pugilist fight was Stella Boyles, a Scotswoman who ran that pro, and she was like a mother to all of the, the boys. And uh, it was really one of the, the highlights. And Rory just fitted into it like a glove. He he absolutely that competitive element, fighting tooth and nail with everybody else with the same car basically, was um, what he loved, uh, and and made him tick
0: mm mm-hmm. and he put it all on the line every time. That's the the vibe I'm getting from everyone, I suppose, who you know I've been in touch with regarding doing the research for this program. That was his style. People have compared him to Colin McRae. It was just literally balls up in the dash, everything on the line, and you know that's that's the way it was. And that's the way he that, was. And um, be, yeah, yeah, that seems to be the way with Rory from
4: the time he started. It. I mean, I I can't ever say I ever saw him much in the old PGA 205 you know when he was doing the national championship rounds here but it seemed to be the same story like he was getting ridiculous times or ridiculously poor cars at times but he he had that shocking and determination and it was it was flat out and it was highs and lows were roaring you know there was and when it didn't work out he didn't take it well you know it, because i i can remember i think the Second last round of the championship the year, he won it. He took a wheel off the car on the first corner of the first stage down in Kent or somewhere. It was here the foot and mouth, and the rallies were all stupid. A lot of them were Mickey Mouse rallies, we'd called them. Yeah. But uh, it was in a forest. He took a wheel off it. And I know we got the thing up and we headed back for Hollyhead. And I don't think anybody spoke in the Jeep between leaving Kent and getting on the boat in Hollyhead. And there was no there was no talking to rory and there was no going to be any discussions <laughs> um and uh, he took a lot of persuading in fact that was worth going back to the last round he thought he had it lost and my daughter claire used to do some of the paperwork for us and keep all the side of it and she's to right she to actually ghostwriting column for pace notes at the time. she Sat down on the spreadsheets and she did out all the various options and the points and went out to see Rory. She was in Dublin at the time, she went out to Rory and sat down with him and persuaded him he could still win this championship. Oh. And did uh, go back to the final round in, in Silverstone. Um, with Paul Nagel actually setting that day. That was another factor in all of those years. The co drivers, they didn't last long, you know. Um, yeah. Rory was ultra competitive and he did put a lot of pressure on everybody at, at events like there was no sort of um you wouldn't get away with half-hearted approach to anything um and he wanted absolute commitment from everybody on the team and uh the lads Johnny and Paul and Mark Brady and uh, John T over the quarter of him times in the Mitsubishi, he was involved in putting that together um i think he he he, he he'd organized to get Rory into doing the Mitsubishi challenge which he won in 2004 i think so um, yeah um i suppose he, he he was the kind of a guy that he brought people with him, you know, once you, once you got involved with Rory, you just couldn't abandon it, you know. You um, He had that ability to, to get people to stick with him and... and uh, the man in the car was completely different to the man without the helmet on. Um, when he put that helmet on, he was... Uh, but when he took it off, and he was out of the car, you know, more relaxed, good crack, always having the crack. Winding people up was a normal, you know, uh, and, and um, he had that good nature about him, you know, um, even when when he kind of wasn't rallying and he stopped to try to, he did a, a kind of a future challenge here because he felt, you know, some of the young lads here, you know, needed some sort of cheaper formula to get into and uh, started that and helped with that and was very keen to make it work, you know. Mm. But it was um, it was a great time. It was one of my most enjoyable outings. Now, at times it was frustrating. At times it was hard work, and you'd be afraid to win. Really, you know. But um, yeah. it really was, especially, especially he was a, he was a very special guy.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll I'll finish up at one point then, and I'll I'll use this part. So, if we were to finish up and describe Rory Gallagher the driver and Rory Gallagher the person, I will get you to answer those two.
4: Uh, <laughs> Rory Gallagher, the driver, was—I feel—he was probably one of the greats we would have produced in this country. Um, it had to had to really work hard at it um, to get to get going, to get cars, to get driving. Um, but the talent, the sheer speed, was was ridiculous, you know. Um, I remember watching him one time uh, on, on a, uh, when he was in the Mitsubishi, and Frank O'Mahony, Frank's son, was doing the, the rally as well, and Frank and I were spectators. we were not a spectator, we could see him coming down the hill a long way in the distance, and Frank said to me, you can't do that, you know, that's, that's crazy pace to be coming down that hill, and he was, and that was his norm, you know. Um, an absolute, and as you say, you could compare him to Colin McRae. yeah and as I said, look at Chris Meek with speed and what Chris showed in the World Championship, and I have no doubt Rory could have been there with him. Uh, that's the shame of it. Um, as a, as a man and as a person, nicer fellow you couldn't meet. Um, in in terms of, he had a genuineness about him, and there was no there was no false puts around Rory. It was absolutely straight and genuine. Uh, and he had a great will to help other people in the sport. And I think you'll hear many, many people say that if they ran Rory or they asked him, he'd do his level best to help them out. Um, I suppose what you'd say of him was he highly intelligent, very motivated, and also competitive.
0: Now, on the Irish Rally podcast, on a Rory Galligan tribute, we're going to talk to two people who were very close to to Rory, Andrew Brown and Martin Brady. Martin and Andrew, you're very welcome. How's things? Good. Thanks for having us. Uh, Great to be here. Well, the first thing we'll say is that uh, we do have uh, Martin on uh, a phone call here. So uh, it isn't going across uh, a Zoom or anything like that bandwidth-wise. And apologies if there is a little bit of a discrepancy in the sound quality. But uh, hopefully this uh, broadband plan hits Kevin fairly hard in the (laughs) not-too-distant future. (laughs) But, lads, look... um, i'll start with you andrew and martin i'll bring you in on this now as well with uh, with the same question shortly but just in terms of your first memories of rory andrew um obviously coming from the same neck of the woods you know where, where did you come across from first
3: um so back in probably 98 99 i was looking about buying a rally car and uh old castle would have been like one of the it was like a mini and uh, Gall, like a, every second person was either involved in motorsport or had a rally car and that so I, uh, I was looking about buying one and rory had uh green 205 uh, for sale which was would have been well known at the time with him around 97 uh, so i bought that off him and uh, our friendship started from there so it was uh, he's he taught me everything i know with mechanical which martin who's on the line there would have done a lot of the work for me after that like but um Rory would have taught me a good bit at the start uh, with changing the engine back to 1.6 and uh, stuff like that but if we just clicked it off um, and became friends then like he would I would have known him from around the town um for the rallying he was doing because I always had an interest from a young age for rallying and that so when I got the opportunity to buy the car We just became friends then, and I went everywhere with him throughout the years of the 106 and the EVOs and that, so. Mm
0: -hmm. Martin, from your point of view? Uh, From my point of view,
5: uh, I worked in his dad's garage, and uh, he was still working as a huntsman at the time, and he used to walk into the garage on a Saturday, let's say. And that's how I first met him, let's say. Uh, He used to come back after working, let's say, then in uh, Kildare to... Prep his car for the next rally, let's say. So I would have probably started working on his cars in uh, probably 1997, unknown. So um, uh, there was his dad owned the garage with a guy called Paul McGermans. So uh, Paul would have been getting me to do a, a bit of spanner checking on the car, let's say, and and looking. Um, and I was only like, uh, I think in 1998 when Rory discovered that I was actually doing work on the cast.
0: Yeah, so very much there you could say from from day dot or whatever, like there or thereabouts.
5: When he bought the 205 uh, first, I was there, let's say. I remember coming into the garage, let's say, and everyone looking at it. So, um, yeah, from, there, uh, from the start of the 205, is probably.
0: Mm-hmm. And from the early experiences, what vibe did you get of Rory, the demeanour, the character, and could you see anything that would indicate the driver that he would turn out to be? Oh sure,
5: he was eager and he was really mad, like you know, it was um, you know, uh, it was raw, like, you know, like it was all about the win. It wasn't about coming second. It was from on day one it was all about winning, you know and getting the enjoyment out of winning and putting putting his heart on the sleeve, let's say, to go and win and do his best and you know, that you know, he, he, I think everything thing he done up to that point, let's say, from horse riding and stuff like that, he was always at the top of on top of his game or the top of the tree, let's say he always wanted to strive to be the best, you know, and that's you know,
3: carry true to his rallying like, you know, then when he did start rallying. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And those traits, Andrew, you would have saw as well, obviously.
3: Oh, yeah, like we had a, we we're lucky enough that we had a, a rally school um, beside us um, that was formed, and Rory used to go and test the one o six out around the track. Like so, we would have got the help him and get to sit in with him in them days, like around the one o six, and like the ability he had as a driver was phenomenal. Like. Uh, just uh, you could just see it like what he he ever as martin said like everything he ever did it was a hundred percent like the, he if he didn't want anything to be like half done half with. like it was always had to be a hundred percent uh you know down to even when it came to the years of the 106 when when it came to putting on the stickers on the car it i used to do it because he allowed me because he knew i could i could do it but he wouldn't let anyone else touch it because if, if there was a bubble in it it was just he was perfectionist like in everything and it was it, it, it was just that one thing that the eager he had to to get to the top like mm-hmm. martin previous
0: contributors have um revealed to us that you know he expected the absolute best out of everyone around him at all times um I'm sure I'm sure that was tasty occasionally because uh, Martin Brady might have been doing the best and, and Rory Gallagher still might have wanted a little bit more uh, by stories I'm hearing. But uh, ever ever have any sort of, a, I suppose, uh, maybe a disagreement or anything just um, in relation to anything like that? Or, you know, was was it always fairly smooth? I think we <laughs> <laughs> was an argument every day. To be fair to Rory, like it was an
5: awful lot of a to it Rory. And it was all about the yarn and the crack, you know. And but there was all of an argument every day as well, like, you know, it just went hand in hand, you know. Um yeah, that's just uh, the, the you know, let's say he was always up for the crack, you know, he's always scheming, you know. Um you know, that was just him, like, you know. Uh, it was just to get the buzz going, like, you know, and like when he did start in those one or six years, like, you know, around the garage, like, you know, he had a lot of locals following the rallying, and the buzz around the garage at the time was, was magic, like, you know, um, you know, it was really buzz, like, it was really happening, but you know, like, you know,
0: and, you know, Rory was at the centre of it, like, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, he was uh, be all and N-All, like, you know. And Martin, in around the turn of, um, in around the turn of the millennium, obviously, the Billy Coleman war comes, and in around this period, and as you said, from, from the very early stages, like, he carried you with him, and, um... Oh you know it was it was it was unbelievable i'm sure that 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 surely meant a lot to you as well that even though things were going onwards and upwards that he valued you that much that you were going with him regardless he, he also this thing is all that rallying is all about timing
5: you know. and i just happened to be walking in the garage at the time you know like um Paul McDermott, let's say with partnership with his dad. like he was a huge help to him as well, really good mechanics. There was another guy there called Vincent Coyle, like they would have done a lot of the prep work on the two O five at the time, you know. Um, like I remember uh, there was some uh, guy with a breakdown recovery, I mean, you'd been following Raleigh through the national circuit like ninety six and he not he turned around to Paul like then he says, That guy has talent and he needs help. And you know, like from that day on, like you know, Paul, like he got him behind him, like you know, and you know, and got us all involved as well, and put us on the right track to help Rory too, like you know, um, you know, there was a big team of guys there behind Rory, like you know, and all us like wanting to help him, like say, you know, to like Rory had a dream; he wanted to go and win and stuff, and he like he ambition about him, you know. There was a lot of people there behind him, like you know egging him on, encouraging him, like, you know,
3: like, no was never the answer he never got, no was never the answer he got from anyone, like, you know,
0: no matter what shape the car came back in, like, you know, no was never the answer, like, you know. And they came back in a good few different shapes. Yeah. Andrew, it's funny, right, when I was doing the the bit of homework here, and, you know, obviously we were over and back quite a few times in in, in trying to make this happen, I asked Mm -hmm. you, you know, according, according to records, it seemed that um, you never sat in beside Rory. But what I wasn't expecting to hear was that he actually sat in with you. Now, there's a good story behind this. And whether it's legal or above board is another thing. But maybe you'll share that with us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there was an event, an event. We'll not say where, but it was out of the country. So it's uh, we were... Um, We were doing an event and uh, my navigator Barry Sheridan at the time uh, was sitting and Rory was with us and Rory just says in the middle of the rally uh, there was a stage after service and was straight back into service again and he says Barry you're out I'm in so barry was put to one side Um rory got a suit on and jumped in and it was on it was a rally on tulips so there was no notes but we had made notes the night before just off the tulips because barry wasn't able to read the tulips so we just made notes off it but rory actually we took off on the start line and i know it's something we shouldn't have done but it was the development that was in rory as well and uh Sure, he just wanted to to you know have a bit of fun. That it was wasn't a serious rally or anything. So, uh so we headed off and uh, we got into the second corner and uh, Rory just got the the notes and threw them into the back. And I have a camcorder. uh Now I don't know where the coverage is, but I do have it, and you can hear Rory's voice over the the cam uh, over the engine noise uh, him roaring go on go on go on him roaring shouting at me going across a blind crest uh, and it was on gravel so uh it was uh it was one of them experiences that it was it was different like uh but he he um yeah he he got out of the car and says never again like so but uh <laughs> he he knew the venue real well so when he threw the notes out he was like go on go on i know this i know this i know this and uh It was back in the day when it was a Pelter Helmet and the intercom wasn't great and uh, that, but uh, no, it was a good memory, like, and uh, everyone was safe and it was done. It was done and it was dusted and no one knew any different until this day, which is probably over 20 years later, like, so. Yeah,
0: we're no it was no way for him to say, go on, go on, I know, but he wasn't the one driving it.
3: <laughs> no, no, but uh, yeah, but he, he. I think he trusted in what I was doing, but as I say, when he got out, he was like, that's it, never again. Like, so, yeah. uh, that happens
0: to happen a lot. You
3: know? Yeah, yeah, but it was good. It was good. It was uh, it's a nice memory to have, because I've only ever sat with him once, and that was when he was doing the Evo Challenge, and I got the opportunity to go test and and uh we ended up um going on this place and it was it was a real fast section and it was up over a blind crest down to like a square left and he was coming up and all you could see is the trees in front of you and on just on top of the crest he just flicked the car sideways and got down the, the the down the um into the square left on a full drift and i couldn't get over this it was just something crazy like the speed that he was able to carry and to put the car in a position to take the square like on on the crest like it was just something else like but that was the only opportunity i got to sit in with him on a four-wheel drive but the talent that he had was just incredible like
0: mm-hmm. um martin judging by little giggle there at the start of andrew's story it seems that you may or may not have been aware of uh, such an event happening as well <laughs> I <wanted Nando> Rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well look it's funny we we can say it here now but we're trying to make a little graphic here to put up on the screen which which we are doing um every time you speak here we couldn't find sightner light or martin brady on google so um i don't think you're going to get in trouble anytime soon anyway you You won't be able to track it down too easily and (laughs) the first few rallies i went uh, with roy and can i just ask then just just on that like going into you know the the work setup will say that little transition yeah. like, was there any little teething issues there at all? Was there things that they wanted? And maybe, obviously, Rory wanted you involved there, like, but how, how did that little aspect of it phase out? Like, I'm not sure, Rory wanted
5: someone to come with him, let's say, and uh, I was probably the youngest, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how he, he ended up asking me, and I said yeah, no bother, like, you know, um. But I wasn't really putting myself forward. It was just uh, he needed someone to go, let's say, and I was probably the through the straw, short straw, the long straw, let's say. You know, Mm. um, I don't think there was any um, major interview for it or anything like that, you know. But uh, he, he, it was it it was at the time, let's say, where uh, works drivers brought their own guy with them into the team, let's say. Uh, I just happened to be mechanic, let's say, so I got to work in the car. in the case of Justin Dale, uh, Justin Dale's dad was there. Chris Dale, he was not a mechanic, He was just floating about that. Say, but he was still involved with the team. That say, why Justin? That say, and I just having the mechanic walking on the car. let's say, that's how I can be involved that that way. Like you know. So.
3: Uh, but he wouldn't but, have brought you unless you were good. Like so, yeah.
5: I, I
0: had very little experience at the in rallies at that point. That they
3: only done a handful of rallies with so. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but I was I am mean, getting the feeling you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice here, and I think Andrew's maybe in agreement with yeah. B- me as well. Yeah, yeah. You, no, Martin was a top mechanic. Like and and uh, w- unfortunately, we've lost him out of the sport. Like he's uh, family now, and he hasn't really time for it. But it's. Uh, martin was a top mechanic and was really uh was a key person to have because within the works team like we were there as well but we weren't like you know getting the info from the other mechanics where martin was able to you know give rory a bit of a knowing what's going on you know behind the scenes so as martin would probably tell you like he he was uh definitely a help to be there for rory like
0: mm-hmm Martin, can I just ask then, and Andrew, in relation to two thousand and three, obviously, you know, there's 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 no drive there. Um, you know, without without knowing a full depth of, of the reasoning behind that, um, is it a case where obviously you fall foul the finances, which is the sing, single biggest uh, factor in the sport. I mean, we've seen so many great drivers that, uh, unfortunately, things didn't work out for them just for those reasons. And I know I, I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit, but. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, a key part of his career, and just unfortunately in 3 not too much rallying was done. No,
5: nothing, but he was sort of hoping to get uh, another year with Peugeot. That was the goal. Look at it, he didn't have the finances to
6: uh,
5: even conflict and re- rent a Super 1600, just the price of r- run on them and everything, That they He was hoping to get uh, a second year with Peugeot, let's say, but that didn't happen in two thousand and two, like the run with Peugeot was very like unfortunate, let's say he just had a bad run as results like the mechanical issue nearly on every rally, bar, uh the Ulster rally where he rolled, still managed to finish but like rolled like a very first stage like, you know, so uh, like in Wales he had a gearbox problem, you know, was going all right, finding himself first rally well his sixth rally in a left hand drive car. Um, his first rally with the team the Scottish rally I think on the second or third stage broke a drive shaft dropped three minutes uh, eventual winner Chris Meek took two minutes out of Chris Meek over the rally let's say after that Jim Clark rally um, the Barley Field incidents let's say you know go, it was going well up until that point let's say you know Manx rally uh, Campbells went, you know, uh, like, just finding the feet, you know, it was really foggy rally up until that point, you know, and then the, uh, uh, Campbell goes on the Ulster Rally, yeah, goes on the first stage. Then you the the Trackford Rally and the ra- uh went as well, let's say, you know. Um, oh, on that Tempest Rally, you know, uh, he was just having a bad run at that year and, you uh, as it happened, Staff Rally was condemned to the wire between Justin Dale and Johnny Milner, let's say, for the championship. And Justin Dale had all the latest stuff in his car, you know, and he was like, he was he was fast. I and mean, he deservedly, deservedly so, having all the good stuff in the car because he was going for the championship. Then his engine went, let's say. So uh, we had a bit of a test with Peugeot and I wanted to take all the suspension out of Justin's car to put it into Rory's car just to see how it goes but they were telling me that no, it wouldn't make any difference so I said, sure, if it, if it doesn't make a difference we will see no difference in the times so after a big, a bit of a tip on here, uh, we changed the stuff from Justin's car into Rory and after two stages he was at matching times with uh, Gwyneth Evans and everything and then Campbell goes, you know so he didn't even get a runner as like, you know get the finished rally on the good stuff, let's say, you know, and then did the last rally of the year, the Tempest, of the engine went back, you know, so it was a really tough year from, in which he didn't get a, a straightforward rally, let's say, with no issues, just to build on that experience, like, you know, so.
0: Andrew, um, just coming back to you, I suppose, and 2004 then, uh, in relation to the the EWA Challenge, you know, and um, talk us through how that kind of came about and uh, how fruitful it turned out to be.
3: Yeah, well, um, it was all down to John T also where I was navigating with him at the time. Um, he had uh, connections with a fellow who wanted to set up a rally team called VRS. And uh, he had said to Rory, look, you've been sitting out for a year. There's a possibility here of getting you running on this team um, at a low cost. Uh, so they sort of got talking to each other. And as Martin was actually telling me there only yesterday when I was chatting to him about this, um, which I didn't realise, it was nearly last minute that this deal went through because Martin didn't even realise it was happening until he met Rory over at the, the rally, the first round of the EVO challenge. Um, so it all happened very quick. Um, and uh, he was... Uh, um, he he talked took took to it like a duck to water, like he was uh, winning the rounds. He was... Um, there was like forty odd evo's uh, in the each round, and uh, it it just was incredible what he was doing, and the team that was behind him, as they they were trying to develop this as a as a new team and had him heading it, and uh, it was because of John and um, that got it up and running. But uh, Martin might know a bit more um from the start of that because he was only telling me that yesterday. So
0: yeah, go ahead, Martin, enlighten us. In
3: um, yeah, no, well, right,
5: right. at the start of 2003, I asked him, what was he going to be rallying, and he said no. So, um, I, Rodney Wilson was starting to do the 206 Cup, so he asked him to go after the start. So, at the end of 2004, or at the end of 2003, I asked him again, was he going to do anything, and he said, no, no, no. And uh, I was at the Sunseeker rally with Rodney Wilson, and uh, waiting down
3: at the day and here's Rory get in the races I said what are you doing I'm doing the running." and that was the first day I heard he was doing the u Challenge and we had, we walked together in the garage and he never said was so he had his secrets <laughs> <laughs> but it obviously was last minute sort of a deal that whatever went down but it was definitely John T was the, the the man that got behind it and, and got it to happen but uh it was definitely a, a sweet deal, anyway, um, um, against what the cost to do the challenge would have been. Um, but he was beaten. Brendan Creely was actually the works driver for Mitsubishi at the time, and he was uh, beating Brendan, um, which really helped him towards the the following year when he became a works driver. Like so, mm-hmm.
5: but he even like in that or, or the Swansea Bay Rally, and the Turbo went on the first or second stage, and he was nearly last in the rally. And then, like, you know, the the stage times after that were incredible, like, you know, and, and, like, he recovered to finish fourth in the challenge that, on that day. There were lots of people in trouble, let's say, but the drive of him in the overall context of the rally was incredible. Like, you know, that's, that's what made him. And that's, you know, that, you know, to find him nearly in an evo and then the rally after that in the gym track, you know, he set fast time overall
0: or turned fast with Andrew and Nelson in the WRC car, like, you know. Uh, Andrew, coming back to you here, you have a couple of absolute gems that we, we have to get into this particular segment, and uh, fall asleep on uh, on maps. So Rory wasn't particularly happy. It was. I don't know, talk us through it.
3: uh well it was the rally that's actually on youtube where rory took off from the start line um i think it was the second round the second last round of the championship uh, down in kent uh of the year that he won the championship and uh he uh he only got into the first corner i think it was and he just he was actually running first on the road but he was meant to be second on the road gary jennings was running first and Gary run, ran a bit of a sm- smart move and Rory had to go first on the road and uh, he ended up uh, going a bit too deep into a co- the first corner and just caught a, a stump and uh, pulled a wishbone and pulled the shaft out. So uh, myself and Martin uh, and Rory headed basically for the boat. The, we came back uh, with the trailer and picked up Rory basically and we, it was like, I don't even know if rory got out of the suit um but he wasn't talking and uh he uh we ended up going up the road and back then there was no google maps or anything like that so it was all on on a map as such and um, i was on the map so we were going up i think i was uh up close to birmingham from kent which was a good three hours maybe two three hours of a drive and i had fallen asleep behind in in the back martin was in the front with rory and i just i don't know what happened but i woke up and i just says yes straight on straight on straight on and uh i don't know why or what how it came about but the two lads just looked at each other and they just started laughing and uh it just broke the the whole ice because he hadn't spoke at all like he was just so upset like but we went up to um uh hollyhead and i remember the three of us martin brought a football and uh, we were kicking a football because we were early and we were kicking the football around um, that which Rory wouldn't have been a football fella, but Martin would have been. So there was uh, it, it all from that moment, it all just changed. And uh, but uh, as Martin would tell you, like it was uh, silenced the whole way. Bruce Springsteen would have been playing. I don't even know if he was playing. We had the, the Nissan Patrol um, Jeep. We had had a cassette player and it had a tape of Bruce Springsteen, and it was always put in, turned upside down, put back down in, and it was always on repeat, because Rory never liked the the UK's music on the radio, so it was Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, the whole way through. So I don't know if even even he was on that day, I think it was silenced the whole way till I opened my mouth and gave them a bit of a land yeah well uh, come here what's,
0: what's the song Can't, can't Start a Fire i said that lad was on fire inside now somehow <laughs> or another just gone by and after this story but um, yeah Martin obviously uh, one of those st- standout things for you as well yeah oh yeah like here uh, and we're sort of half looking at each other and uh, I'm not going to cross the uh, on the podcast but I just
5: what the hell happened there you know just to and Andrew I was looking for an no and He said, no, 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 stay on, stay on, stay on. And it sort of broke the ice, you know. So, uh, then there was a, a lot of home truths come out, you know, between there and Hollyhead, you know. And then for two weeks after, like, you know, the whole, uh, you know, what went wrong, what did we do wrong? There was a home truths going, uh, each, each way, you know. But I, I'd say it took two weeks to cool down for that rally and then we had two weeks prep then for Brown Which was good ended on a good note too. So. Yeah. Um but uh, but yeah, no, um the whole preparation for for that rally in in Kent, let's say, was just all off, you know, uh, and it just came to a head on on the first stage. Roy actually didn't realise that he was going to be running first on the road. He because of the way the rally ran, the top drivers went to do two stages first in another part of the rally and the 106 Cup was starting let's say in stage 3 and they were the first on the, on the stage and he didn't know that Um, when he was going out to the stage let's say uh, Jennings was, uh, was leading the championship I think and he you were allowed 15 minutes penalty free dating and he had taken 5 minutes out of that time to drop back to 2nd or 3rd on the road which left Rory on the start line, basically ready to go, unprepared, he hadn't done his tyre pressures or anything, he wasn't belted into the car right, He the next thing, the countdown was going, and he'd only one glove on him, the other half on him, and the countdown was five, four, three to one and let's say he'd one glove on, then he had to start the stage, like totally thrown off, got it wrong in the first corner, bent a wheel, pulled his right shot out, rally over,
0: end of Venturing away from, uh, or venturing elsewhere, I should say. Um, Andrew, I just want to pick up on the, I suppose, the, the sacrifices that you know had had to be made in order to make it happen. And Martin, you can come in on this as well if you want. But um, you know, we're we're chatting there. Three jobs at one stage. Rory, Rory was working. Um, mm-hmm. Mad stuff, like, and I you know we do, we do hear the stories like this common enough in order to. You know, see lads get out there and, and go rallying, but uh, that's that's crazy stuff altogether. The demands of, of that alone, and then trying in between all of it, between having three jobs, to try to probably find a bit of time to go and do it then afterwards. Like, Jesus, we're taxing like that. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, he was working every day. Um, at the weekends, he was working in the rally school. Um, it was actually Brendan Creeley's rally school that was based out of Oldcastle, and he had it up in Wicklow as well. Um, so he did that. Uh, he was working in Heinegan um, and he actually got me a job in there at the time as well. So the two of us were driving together uh well in separate lorries as such but uh yeah so he was at that and then he was working in the home garage as well so um yeah the commitment that he had was incredible like he he done that was the whole year through um and after that for the evo challenge um that he well it, 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 that was the main thing to get the money for that um but like come 10 o'clock as well like when the his the garage his family's business and um, closed he'd be working till ten o'clock and then he'd head off down to play racquetball. Um so like he was trying to keep his fitness up as well. So like he was he was burning it in every angle, like, you know, from just trying to keep the fitness up and uh it's it's uh what he, he was basically doing everything he could from financial end of things uh to, to try and raise the money um and he had the help like of the garage and his sister ethel was very good to him um and that but uh he definitely it wasn't just handed to him he uh he worked very very hard for it and that was just that one year but he worked every, throughout his whole rallying career um he worked very hard for it like um, but that was the type of person he was like, you know, so he didn't like the idea of just being handed it like he definitely looked for sponsors and he had some loyal sponsors throughout the whole way through. Um, But uh, he uh, he worked hard for it. Like.
0: Mm-hmm. And Martin, just uh, picking up Andrew on the sponsorship part, um, Greg Shinners, another contributor to the program, had mentioned, you know, about how good of an ambassador he was to anyone that was sponsoring him. Like, you know, he always looked neat and tidy. Um, you know, oh, yeah. a a p a PR dream, would you say?
5: Oh yeah, definitely. Great speaker, great manners, like you know, um just had uh, a nice personality, a very approachable uh, personality, let's say for uh, sponsors and stuff like that. You know, Um no, he was very good like that. You know, even even like when he signed for Pio and Mitsubishi Reflectors, like you know, he. Um, yeah, no, like, uh, uh, manners and politeness
3: was never, never a, an issue, let's say. But then that's down to his parents too, let's say, the way he was brought up, like, you know, so, you know, credit to them. Like. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was one thing I, I remember from Rory, and it was, uh, if he seen you standing with your hands in your pockets, he'd give out. Like, he does one thing he didn't like is to see someone just standing there with their hands in their pockets. You had to be doing something or holding something or that, you know, he was... Uh, it was uh, just the, the, the type of person he was, but as I say he was, uh, he was definitely uh, a sponsors. Uh, he was very good on his interviews and uh, spoke so very well. Um, you sort of you felt that it was another person behind the camera to what we sometimes seen, and because and, uh, uh, he definitely had the there was plenty of times he came into service when we were doing the one at six cup and. Uh, He'd um he'd let it rip like of you know because he, he if there was something wrong he he'd uh, he'd let you know it you know and uh, there was a time when Martin um got a burnt nose over it and that right Martin
0: go on take take off here Martin we want to hear this. <laughs> 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 there were rallies, uh, it, was, it was the first round of the one o
5: six cup in two thousand one and uh, it was my first rally actually travelling across the water with him let's say uh, myself and with Andrew. And uh, he'd done a couple of stages. Like it was the year of foot and mouth, so there was no uh, into the forest at that stage in the year. So it was round like an industrial estate uh, on the promenade in a whirl. But he had a gearbox leak. So um, I was just checking to see or to make sure that it wasn't getting close to the break this, you know. Uh, so I just put my head in between the, the wheel arch and the brake disc and just bang my head against the wheel arch and then onto the. And then wondered, did I bang my nose or not? But then I continued to tell it And then that evening, then I had a big red
0: nose. <laughs> you are going on <around> like Rudolph. <laughs> so, yeah, so I did bang my nose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Andrew, another story about uh, Raleigh being being drove to Belgium.
3: Um. Yeah. Uh. Well, it was. A, it was a road car, but classed as good as a rally car. Um. When he was doing the the round of the of the one o six cup out in Belgium, he um he wanted to have a good recce car, so he acquired a two o five GTI. Um. Actually, off Sean Gallagher, that used to rally. Um. And.
0: Formula One winner. yeah
3: yeah yeah and we i had a uh, golf left and drive and we traded it in between the two of us so uh, we got this um 205 and we basically i had the the green 205 at the time so we took the suspension out of it the steering wheel the um well was the exhaust system the um the seats harnesses everything went into the road car uh and uh then we actually even had the reg of my road car put onto it so we could travel across the uk uh, i drove behind him uh, he was in the the patrol jeep with the rally car and i was behind him the whole way in the in the glorified rally car which was not comfortable when you couldn't recline seats and nothing it was like sitting the whole way from hollyhead down to dover and across um but it was an experience like so uh um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was it was funny at the time. There.
0: And in terms of uh, those cars that we saw, Rory and uh, Martin, you have mentioned the Samba. Let's take it back to the end of, of last year, Andrew, when yourself and Willie went down to Killarney. I mean, trying to get that job going, that must have been a serious, serious task. And I know I've, I've read up on, on bits that uh, Willie would have said at the time. And uh, there was several lads around it there in the, in the hours beforehand. And um, I think the car might have been driven down as well to uh, to Clarnie, was it?
3: Yeah, it was. Like, fair play to Willie. Like, um he really done an incredible job on the car with the help of a lot, a lot of friends. Um, myself and Rory actually took on to rebuilding that car years ago. And uh, sure, it was just a matter of pain. So we ended up, we were filling it. We were doing everything we could to try and get it you know some way decent but we sort of put it to one side and it was put away but um when Rory uh, married Trassa the Samba came to Trassa's house in pieces like it was um, up in her place so Willie actually uh, um bought it off Trassa with the idea of um, rebuilding it so he went to town on it he put everything new into it done an incredible job to to it like and uh, painted it a slight different color yellow which he knows uh, i keep uh, slagging him about but uh it's uh it, it turned out incredible like and um, um we went down the drove the car down because it was last minute like there was uh to get it to Killarney was the aim and uh get it through the rally uh but it was uh it was a very enjoyable event it wasn't the fastest car but actually was good cracking it like and uh we, we enjoyed it um, and got it to the end and done what the plan was. So uh, it hasn't done anything since other than going to a show or two. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if Willie will do something again in it, but it's definitely a, a, a something to, to keep in mind, like so.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously meant meant an awful lot. There's a lot of emotion going on there. But uh, it isn't the only car attached to Rory Galligan that's uh, in a restoration process.
3: Yeah, no, well, the... The actual that round was just saying that went to Belgium, I have that actually and I'm uh, getting it all done up but, um got uh fully painted. Um every bit of it so it has to be put back together. Uh and then the green two oh five, it was uh it was cry I sold it off to a friend of mine and he crashed it and got it was reshelled uh but um i always wanted it to be reshelled back to the way it originally was with a welding cage 1900 and uh green so i acquired the car then after that so i've uh basically i have all the parts there and i've a shell got some cage in it so eventually it will be back to the green 205 with the same style cage and uh the e901 vwn reg on it like so be nice to see that back together because that that would have been Rory's second car, and then the one o six. Colin McBride has that, and he has it put back in black with all the decals on it from when Rory was in it. So, we'll I'll do the same with the green one, and we'll try and get maybe over to Goodwood or somewhere with the three cars, um, or do something together with the tree cars because uh, I don't know where Devo is. We did look about it, but it's uh, um, it's probably uh, it's probably gone somewhere. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Martin, another thing to, to delve into would be, I suppose, the you know the, the guidance, the support, and everything that Rory were have given to up-and-coming drivers, and so maybe you'll touch on that for us. Oh,
5: like, you know, like, the like first winner of the Billy Coleman Award, and I'd say every subsequent winner, or I'd say 10 years after that, like, would have given Rory a call about, like, the process that's in, how they, they picked the winner, basically. Um, you know, but also let's say you had uh, lots of guys thinking about going across the wall, let's say to compete, let's say, and he'd be giving them pointers on what to do and how to go about it, like you know. And was never shy about giving information. You know, you know, he was always just a phone call away for any driver, like you know. And uh, you know, even through setting up the 205 or five challenge, you know, like you will know, he,
0: he enjoyed that immensely, like a young driver. Let's say you know, limit budgets, Let's say hopping a two or five on the camaraderie and that. It, let's like, it say was it was brilliant, like, you know. Mhm. And like when you talk about the, uh, you know, the the, del- the cards, the deck of cards he was dealt, or the cards he was dealt in life, yeah. and how how he actually approached that, and battled it, and there was something you know, or I mean, it was something we touched on with the Greg Shinners and and Gordon Noble as well, there was only going to be one way it seemed that he was going to approach it and that was no excuses and get on with it and obviously you guys would have had the cold face of that and you would have saw him throughout that battle like and um, would it be right in saying that's how he did go about with Martin? He uh, looked forward like you know it he, he was always about finding a way but like that
5: was all say the whole way through his, his career was finding a way like you know to succeed you know and like like when he was diagnosed, like, you know, even even if I go back to 5 five, let's say, you know, he was diagnosed in 06, But like uh the first signs like re- looking back and it, like I remember being at Rally GB, and uh, we were all spectating, uh, we were walking down uh, one of the stages after watching it, like and he was limping on a foot, you know, and sure we were swagging him, like not realising what was to come down the line. But like even towards the end of 05, you know, we were finished with Mitsubishi and I was I'm going to get that, you know, get, get, get fit, get ready for 06, like, you know. And, uh, you know, but he, like then in 06, you know, like he went and he got the test, you know. Um, he, he told us, that say, myself and Andrew in the airport on the way home from uh, the launch of the British Championship, let's say, in Mallory Park, like. So I'll never forget the words, like, you know,
0: and telling them, like, you know. You know. Yeah, something that, uh, you know, just sticks and it's not. It's not.
5: He, he basically, like, he, he, he just in he thought the two of us were just after having a bike. He, that you're probably going to hear this when we get back that day, but he said he was diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disease. I didn't know what was going on the run. Reeves was, let's say, you know, yeah. um, and he basically he, he said, the way he said it, he said he had five years, and then quickly he said, and I'm in a wheelchair, but that five years, like, when he mentioned five years, you know, that was time he was given, let's say, complete, like, you know, mm. and, you know, probably not the people would have called up and everything, like, you know, but he was a fighter, you know, and, uh, you know, he battled on, like, you know, and, you uh, like, Andrew B.R., he mentioned about you know, driving the Belgium, like, you know, just because it has to be done, let's say. There was a lot of people, that say, that well, they went to the end of the earth, like, you know, to get him to go rallying, let's say. And, like, when the news broke in Mitsubishi that time, it wasn't about will he be able to drive, it's like, what can we do to help him drive, you know, it was never... It was never
0: seen as an excuse, like you know, and uh, you know, all the guys, you know, rolled up their sleeves, like you know, and whatever he wanted, it was, it was never a question, like you know. Mhm. Andrew it just seems, in, in fairness, like the the way he, he went about that, just a uh, in, inspiration, really. If you look at it, you know what I mean. And we don't we don't have to go into call our facts. That's not what we're about here. We're here to pay tribute and and celebrate and and look at the you know the the positive side, but. That That is a huge positive in terms of how he went about that. You know, we look at a different context and the battle that Vicky Phelan fought as well, we'll say. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. look at the attributes, the traits. I mean, yeah. you couldn't be in, in awe of how he handled the whole thing.
3: No, it was unreal. Like, uh, he, he never complained. Never, ever complained. He went to work every every morning and um, when he couldn't even when he got to the stage where he couldn't early talk he was still going it was uh, the, he had to it was something that was keeping him going um and uh like his mother and wife was incredible um around him at the time and uh just before he got like you know to the latter end uh he they were on the lookout for an Oprah. And uh the the Oprah ended up being my wife, which is a, another story uh, yeah, so he set he set me and my wife up and uh sent sent us up off on our first date. He paid for tickets for us to go to Michael Jackson and away we went and the rest is history, but it, it you know that was why he was sick like you know and he was he was always good crack, even you know with the when his mum was even helping you know translate what he was saying because his words would mumble like and uh, it was hard to understand but um Eileen was able to understand what he was saying like and uh, he, he'd he always he'd come in and say what's the crack like and you know he always wanted to know and he was never he was never on the down you know complaining or telling you he had a bad day it was it was always how are you getting on and tell us the crack what's the rally, and what's happening like you know and and in in the latter days of his rallying, he used to be telling me because I was you know ambitious to try and do what he was doing, and uh, he was telling me at the latter end you know here don't be putting everything into rallying and don't put in. And when he got sick, it turned around when he realised what just anything can happen, and he was like, do it, whatever you want to do, just do it, like you know. So, um, you know, the, obviously the latter end of the rallying, you know, that say that the year in the two oh six, it was a hard year on him. But when he got into the Mitsubishis, it, it all lifted again, like, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, he never, he, he never complained. That was one thing I remember from him, and always the smile, the smile was there all the time, True. you know, um, yeah. but, uh, no, he was, he was right. an incredible guy. But, but like, when you take that year in 06, let's say, you have to remember,
5: right, he, like, the start Championship like you would all the ex-British uh, Championship winners starting the first run in, in the Pirelli, like you know you would Mark Higgins, Wind of Evans, David Higgins, uh, uh, Martin Rowe doing it, you know, and like there was the pressure there on him. Like he was starting that rally, he could not left foot break. You know, mm-hmm. uh, which is unthinkable. Let's say trying to do a gravel rally, let alone any other rally, he couldn't actually physically left foot break, Like you know, so I know he went uh, like he went off. Let's say on the road on on on, on that Friday rally, busted the I filter all things like you know that's what put him out of the rally. But the Jim Clark rally he was marching, Mark Higgins. You know, he <laughs> you know still couldn't left foot break, You know like lost the rally by point what one or two of a second, like, you know. And to be still at that pace with Mohan Uran, let's say, you know, was incredible. Like, you know, it was just the pure driving force within in him, let's say, you know, to achieve that. Like.
0: Mm-hmm. Lads, when you look at the esteem he's held in to to this day and the legacy that he's left behind him, I think, you know I suppose there are there are no words really to to sum it up, but uh, what I'll do to, to finish this segment is ask you e what I've been asking our other contributors, I suppose, and um, Martin, I'll start with you. Rory Galligan, the person, and Rory Galligan, the driver. Oh, um, he was a
5: great friend. Like, you know, um you know, uh, like it's very hard to put in the words, like, you know, on a personal level. Like, you know, uh, he was, I'll put it to you this way, I have five brothers, uh, or just probably the sixth or that, like you know, um, and not too much time I would have spent on us Say, over the years like, and um, um, as a rally driver, like, sorta, uh, uh, I'm gonna put my hands up here for a while. Let's say, I sorta uh, doubted his ability. Let's say, for a period. Let's say, when he finished, let's say, I probably would have put other drivers. Let's say, maybe quicker than him. Like, but then you have to take the overall context of a rallying career. I think his fastest years was, fair enough, All 3 he didn't rally, 0-4, that evil challenge year, let's say, he was brilliant, like, you know, the start of all 5 you take those times, like, you know, and compare f- for his rallying career, let's say, that's Rory Galligan, like, you know, even back to the future days, he was matching Chris Meek. you know, how successful Chris Meek was, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he just... When the breaks were coming from, it just, uh, it hung fairly far from a and no ball of the that let's say, you know. But as a competitor, like, it was like 10 out of 10, like, you know, like, and, uh, I'm just getting a bit emotional here, you know, but like, like, and, you know, everyone that competed against him, like, you know, the, they always had a good word about him, like, you know, when the, when the rally was over, the crash was there to be had, even before the rally, like, you know, uh, I remember there, on the World Rally, the first time I went to, like, the the crash he was having with all the other drivers, you know, that were there, like, you know, you know, you know, he's very social, uh, that way, you know, and, uh but like, when the helmet came on, like, you know, it was, uh, everyone, every man from South, like, you know, but, uh know, so, uh, one of the best drivers this uh, country has ever produced, you know. And, like, you know, you're talking about uh, young enough and upcoming drivers, like, you know, at the time, you know, I was sort of helping Danny Barry, Daniel Barry, let's say, and was giving Daniel Barry great guidance during his Evo Challenge like, Daniel Barry went on to win the Evo Challenge. And I don't know if he ever had a conversation with uh, Craig Green, but I remember when he was sick, and we were having a conversation with right, the conversation was about Craig Breen, and he says Craig Breen is going to be at the top of the ladder, you know, and like that's back in eleven, twelve, he's saying that, you know, and we're now in it's like ten years on, and, like you know, and uh, look at Craig Breen now, like you know, so that's like the foresight he had for up and coming driving like you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he had things read fairly well. He could see. You know, you see quite clearly what what lads what lads are made of. Um, Andrew, then, from from your point of view, uh, Rory Galligan, the person, Rory Galligan, the driver.
3: Yeah, uh, well, as a person, Rory, he, he was uh, he was like a brother to me, um, and I was like a brother to him in a way because he had no brother. I'd say we travelled uh, everywhere together, um, and like he he as he taught me a lot. Uh, you know, down to, once we were down, when he used to be selling the Matador tyres, he was showing me how to shave, like, down to stupid things, like, you know, that he, he took, took me under the wing, and uh, as a driver, he was, uh, he was incredible, he was the person everyone wanted to beat, and if everyone could have the same attitude as he had, uh, like, as he, he he always pushed for for to be number one and he had the ability always to be number one um but uh he was uh his ability was there and he he shared it to everyone like it wasn't that uh he'd uh hold hold anything to himself uh when sean gallagher even uh was doing the 106 cup like he became friendly with rory and uh Used to go test them with us, and we'd I'd always travel over with Rory maybe on the Wednesday, and then Martin, the lads that come over, say the Thursday night or the Friday, they'd fly over. but We'd go to the test or go whatever, um, the pre-event test, and uh, Rory would sit in with the lads, the other drivers. Like he'd always give a help. He was never one to sort of just hold it to himself, and uh, I think everyone liked him. Everyone got on with him. Uh, I don't think anyone could have a bad thing to say about him uh and uh he was just a gentleman and a true and true like um yeah. andrew martin
0: i thank you very much for your, your contributions uh we've got some uh, great stories I'm gonna there say one,
5: i'm going to say another thing there yeah like, like the whole everyone that was involved in Broadway, the craft we had mm. was, was electric, like, you know like it was it was like and like so glad,
3: like to be involved with, it. like you know, but the the crack everyone had over, like it was it was not it was brilliant, yeah, mm-hmm. it was on it, like he, he like he had the crack with us, but like we had the crack every event we went to it was brilliant, like there was and it was there was such a good lads around them, you know, and down to the 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 like the work that went behind it, the scenes in the one or six days when Rory came back, Morali and the car and bits like and. John Kellett getting his tools out to start pulling panels and replacing panels and like the some of the the some it, some of the stuff should have been reshelled to what John was able to do for him and and put the time that other people wouldn't do it but the everyone wanted you know to to do it for him and wanted to see him on the start line of the next event and get go going again like there was a uh, but the people around him and the crack was just ninety like it was just savage like.
0: Now having finished the recording with Martin and Andrew, one of the questions that I asked to Martin was in terms of a falling out with Rory, did he ever have one or was there ever arguments and he jokingly said he had an argument with him nearly every day. Well, turns out having finished that recording, there was a story Martin thought of and he kindly sent it on, on WhatsApp and uh, we'll give it a little jingle here now just at the end of the segment.
7: One of my favourite arguments with Rory was... Uh the end of 2001, uh, he won the 1 of 6 cup uh, during, uh, there was an issue during scrutiny where we needed to have a, a horn wired up for the navigator on his footrest, um, so before the rally started one of the uh, chief scrutineers had come round to see if we had the work done and we hadn't got the work done So we had to get a, w- a switch wired up pronto. Let's say before the rally started. So we had a spare switch in the toolkit kit and uh, But we had no two core cable to wire it up. So uh, Darahan the and present um, On the team was going through the toolkits to see uh, if there was uh, two core cable anywhere, so um, when I came to give him a hand to look for two cable, two core cable, we couldn't find any. But Rory had this Hoover with two core cable that used to plug into the cigarette lighter, um, so there was about 16 foot of a cable, so we cut a bit out a t- to use for iron up the horn switch. So then during the rally he damaged the wiring through a water splash on one of the stages um, and frayed the wires Uh, so we uh, had to cut another bit of that uh, fine two core cable to wire up the uh, fans on the radiator. so after winning the 106 cup after three years you know and all the effort that went into do uh achieving that uh and all the celebrations after as well the tuesday after the rally he was uh unloading the jeep um and he was going through the stuff that <laughs> uh, uh that needed uh replacing and he came across his, his uh his famous hoover and he seen the cable cut on it and he was going mad and he was he was asking what, what happened to me hoover i said oh so i had to explain why we had to use that he says oh lads because he's not use anything else like I me mean, good hoover you know so we got uh, uh, about two weeks or three weeks arguing over this uh, famous hoover
0: now joining us on the irish rally podcast is willie Avidi willie we're, we're obviously chatting about rory galligan and um the, the first story that jumps out for me, obviously, is the historic one last year. But I'm sure he buys went back a long, long
6: way. And you have a few tales to tell, I would say, somehow or another. Ah, uh, yeah. Go back a good way, all right. Um, It was already got me started into the rallying with the 205 Cup that he run here in Ireland. So it was good back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in terms of uh, your relationship with him... um. You know, what, what was the standout characteristics? What was their experiences like and what memories have you taken away from that?
6: I uh, well, the big thing that sticks in my memory with Rory, he always wore his heart in his sleeve like he didn't. If he'd something to say to you, he'd come out and he said it. So um I remember one day we were out testing two oh six and he, he left my leg black and blue battering me down the stage at it to keep going on so no he definitely was he wasn't afraid to tell you what he thought and keep you out like.
0: Mm-hmm. it um, a lot of people have remarked upon his his rallying brain you know and, and his brain in general the fact that he's able to think a few steps ahead uh, his drive his determination and uh i think by you getting a few thumps on the leg there that's that's you can kind of see that can't you like
6: yeah 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 like rory was all, uh, not only for himself always ahead for rallying in general like he brought that one make championship to to ireland for young drivers like this was before the j1000s and all that you know so rory was kind of spearheading something for for young guys just ent- at entry level into motorsport at that stage something that was affordable and i always remember him saying you know we want to try and get the best value for your pound as many miles for your pound as what we can get possible and mm-hmm. that's where what he he modeled his championship on at the
0: time mm-hmm. uh, visionary in many in many ways you know because we know about the difficulties um in trying to get lads going seem to be always there for a bit of advice now like that's that's a real market of man isn't
6: it yeah 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 like driver tuition and mechanical tuition setup stuff like that there like rory had no bother you know give him a call and he would have been down to give you a hand out or a push mm. forward like even whenever i finished the 205 challenge and um, moved into to the 206 super cup you know we helped me to no end going away there like it was a big step us going to the uk to, to race yeah. and rory he wasn't he gave us his experience and came up and helped us with car setup and you know he would talk me over what the rallies were like before we would head off to go and do them and no he was brilliant that way you know and yeah Hmm. His, his experience you know he wasn't afraid to pass it down and try and push the the whole thing forward for any of us young boys heading over mm-hmm. and
0: Willie I'd say you know the fact that he went over I'm sure he had a little bit of guidance but a lot of those things would have been quite new to him and maybe he was learning and thinking on his feet so you know it was great that he then identified that and for anyone like yourself that was going over he would give you that little bit of information maybe that he mightn't have had and that's, that's a real good characteristic as well like
6: yeah yeah definitely like those wee uh, bits of setup you know we could tell you maybe like Wales was a lot uh, smoother and sandier and gravelier than maybe Scotland where it was bigger rocks and boulders and you know we'd be able to tell you know with your with your seeding you're going to be in the thick of the ruts and stuff like that where so we wouldn't have had a clue really mm. it, was, it was all new and you, there wasn't endless amount of YouTube videos that you could watch like what there is now um so you were relying on the feedback like he was given, rather than trying to do your own homework like what you can do now if you were heading
0: mm-hmm. yeah no great great um a great way to be i suppose so other people mightn't be as far with information you know what i mean and the fact that he, he, he would go ahead and do that for the you know it's another great stand out there but look tell us about the, this samba story right because i know um, we saw the trip with we On the Pace Note last year. Obviously, we saw the car and then reading up on the story again there just to do a little bit of homework regarding getting it down there and all. Just talk us through the whole process of where you come with the idea of getting this car, this Samba, and getting her back going and the absolute hardship in, in making it happen as well.
6: Well, the Samba relationship with our family kind of started off with my dad, believe it or not. Okay. He had a ex works uh, talbot samba whenever in the 80s and that's where it all stemmed from um in our house of the interest of the samba but my dad and rory would have had many a conversation you know whenever we'd have been at rallies and bits and pieces about sambas because rory had a secret love for the samba as it was his first ever rally car as well so dad and him would have plenty of would have had plenty of conversations samba stories as as it would be uh, through the years of their rallying so that's kind of where the, the interest of the samba started from and then um, when Rory got sick he he always owned the car he never sold it so when Rory got sick he, he him and Andrew I think took into maybe trying to restore it and I think they got it stripped and primed and bits and pieces to start to pull it together but unfortunately it's never got never got to that stage so um, basically last over lockdown we got phone call from Andrew, Trasso was on the phone about actually selling the, the Samba because Charlie wanted to buy a car himself or a mm-hmm. Jeep for around the farm so something had to go basically to be able to get this so um, the decision was made that the Samba was going to go. So um, one Saturday we went down to take a look at the samba. Chatted dad and he says, "I sure we'll go down and we'll take a look at it anyway." So we went down and we pulled the cover off it, and it was a wee bit worse than what I had kind of expected. But um, we found the shell in one sh- in one shed and the engine, and dad and Trassa went into another sh- like a buyer shed there to go and take a look at other bits and between all the 205 bits we found some samba parts Mm -hmm. so we took into trying to organize what was samba and what was Peugeot 205 Um, luckily we had dad there because he was able to tell the difference where Mm -hmm. it would have been difficult for myself and Andrew maybe trying to suss it all out but Mm -hmm. we found as much as we could and put it into the trailer and we brought it home with the with the idea when we were driving out, I said, Andrew, what do you think the chances are of having this ready for Killarney Historic whenever all opens again? And he looked at me and he says, aye, <laughs> ah, yeah, why not, Sure, we will give it a rattle? So we got it home and tried to sort out what all we had and what we were missing and um, phoned around to see who maybe was interested in giving us a handout, obviously, with the body repair, because the shell was in a bit of a mess, to be honest. So Johnny Crozier, um, from Armagh there he took on the the task of prepping the shell and painting it um. so he set the goalposts he did a fantastic job you know inside and out and everything and he set the goalposts in of the standard that we were going to be looking for putting this car together um. and spoke with a few mates and actually my next door neighbour there uh, Reggie Britton he built the engine for me while we were working at the at the shell and it was an absolute nightmare to try and get parts with for especially because it was during covid mm-hmm. and there were you couldn't get anybody on the phone so it was all emails mm-hmm. uh, i think it took us nearly eight weeks to get a set of valves located for it so i'll give you an idea of, of the search that. and rescue that went on um had a lot of help from different people i joined a few of them clubs and groups and uh, rally forums on facebook and bits and pieces and um made a few friends on that which helped and then another neighbor of mine that actually owns dad's old samba he stocks quite a few bits and pieces through chambers so he was able to help us out with a lot of advice and technical help you know of what way things go together and he was able to give us a few of his spare parts as well that he'd gathered up over the years which was very good of him you know because it's so hard to to locate a lot of this stuff so he was a huge help Um, and then once we kind of gathered everything up and knew what we had it was down to the task of them trying to piece the jigsaw together so uh, i had a lot of help from a lot of good friends trying to put it together Um, bryce hellington mark johnson you know benny granger oh there's too many nearly the list barry mcnulty you know there's I think there was one night we were in the shed up until the week before Killarney last year. I think there was nine of us around here, so and it's, it's not that big a yard. No. <laughs> <laughs> um you know. So uh, no, all all my mates all pulled in and we all ripped together, and everybody had a job to do, and we kind of there wasn't a bad word I don't think said between any of us, even whenever we were rooting mm-hmm. and standing on each other's toes so no we got it together and i actually i hadn't drove the car at all but i'd kind of run out of time to help the boys and i had to go down and do the recce and i said to them well hopefully you get her going before i see you again so i went down i did the recce and the, actually bryce had to drive the car down the road to run the new engine in so that's how tight to the wire we were first i drove it was to scrutiny <laughs> And we were the very last car in the scrutiny as well.
0: So you need to go back. No hackers. We definitely
6: run into the wire.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the other little feature there as well, you had uh, the the Persia overalls on, didn't you, yourself and Andrew?
6: Yeah, and we had Rory's, Martin Brady. They used to do all the mechanicin' for Rory and also helped myself throughout the years. He had two original Peugeot Super Cup caps that Rory would have wore at the rally So he gave us the two Peugeot Super Cup caps to wear for That's the weekend amazing. as well Which yeah. were really nice to have, you know, as two, you know So, hmm. no, it was it was a special weekend and I'm so glad that we were able to pull it together And um, and to have Andrew, Rory's best friend, sit beside me as well, you know It was, it was great, great crack and great weekend um Mm -hmm. whenever we were working at the shed actually in the shed i did the fiesta st challenge many years ago in ireland and i had a big crash in the circuit of ireland I put the the fiesta off the edge of barnes gap which was a fair old drop we got in the front page of motor news for it so that'll give you an idea how bad it was so we wrecked the wrecked the fiesta killarney was in two weeks time and I was coming up there, we were, we got the car gathered up and we we're heading home and Rory phoned me, Well what way did you get on? I says, In the way he would, you know, what way did you get on? I says, Aye, not too good, Rory. I says, With a bit of an off. I says, Kinda we riled her down into a ravine and she's not in great shape. I says, She can't be that bad. I says, I she'll need a shell anyway. And he so he says, Well he says, will you may get your finger out there and get one organised. I says, Killarney's only in two weeks. I said, aye, that's right. He says, you get the shell organized there and ring me back. So, on the phone I anyway know and organized the shell. And Rory gathered up a couple of guys from Oldcastle then to pull this thing together. And that's kind of what I think the Samba must have been like whenever Martin and Rory and a couple of the boys, Andrew, I think, was involved in it as well. And pulling the Fiesta back together that time to get me to Killarney. So, only they done it in two weeks, it took me a wee way longer to get something <laughs>
0: going well, I've asked this to everyone Willie uh, If you were to describe Rory Gallaghan the person and Rory Gallaghan the driver Give us your descriptions
6: <laughs> I think he, you could class him as a very flamboyant driver and wild crack and Always wore his heart on his sleeve. I think any of the YouTube videos there that you, you watch back now in memory of Rory there's a couple of the tribute videos explain him very well, you know. So, um, no, Rory definitely was passionate about everything he done, and he give it a hundred and ten percent. There's no doubt about it. Like mm. as you said, as we were talking about John there. Rory also struggled with budget and trying to gather up money to be mm. able to compete, especially at the UK level whenever it, he was out there. So, you know, it's it's the same old story. You know, you need the help and you need the support, and it's just trying to keep the wheels turning and Rory was brilliant at that now he, he always he always managed to, to get to the event and pull out of the bag a great result Now
0: joining us on Rory Galligan special is Stephen Coran, Rory's best friend Stephen, we were chatting off air you're very welcome on the podcast and uh, you have many a good story about Mr Galligan and I don't even know where to start because uh, I was very very entertained off here, but I'm very much looking forward to hearing him on here as well um,
8: Great, great memories, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And our Rory was a good friend. Yeah, we grew up together. Um, lived next door to him, and um, yeah, he was. Rory was Rory, I suppose. He um ah, we done everything together. We fished, and he done everything. We it, was, it wasn't Rory? Wasn't just about football, you know? It wasn't anything rallying. He was football rallying. Anything to do with sport or anything outdoor. Manning. but he was a big horseman, man and he was mad at the horses, and he was mad into cars and he was mad into everything but um, yeah, yeah, was Rory he was a good lad
0: yeah, he seems like one of those guys that uh, would turn his hand to anything you see a lot of sports people like that you know what I mean that uh, whatever they do it just seems to work out for them and the one common thing I'm hearing from everyone is drive, determination, focus and like even knocking around as kids I'd, I'd say no doubt there was that competitive streak in him, was there?
8: Yeah, he was, um, probably where he got his competitive is, um we started um, back, all oh, years ago we started to, uh, obviously, tablet in cars. His, his dad worked in CNC, and, um, he bought a garage down here in the town, we were only young at the time, but we were rooting around cars. We had a Mini, I bought a Mini uh, belonging from Barry Dono and um, he didn't know how to drive, we were all learning how to drive at this stage. We bought this mini any you know, of barry Dunno or we rooting out and fixing it and obviously we got up and running mm-hmm. and and um, we just started uh, driving we lived on the lane and um we started to drive up and down the lane and we so were getting the hang of it and next thing we decided we'd you know this lane was probably about half a mile long and um, so we were rallying up and down it and riding up and down it. every hour every day every penny we got we bought that's for this car and um but anyway like a long story short. We decided we'd, we'd go down, he would be the quickest. So Gallagher being Gallagher, he decided halfway down, he would pull a handbrake. It was a bit of an opening, and he could, to a tee, we could get this handbrake pulling, and we could get back up the lane 30 seconds quicker than anybody else. So the whole town was this big rally town, well, that's a huge rally town, but everybody. Every gossip had a car everywhere. Alan Sheridan, Michael Cadden, Mickey Corn, Bob Gibney all came every Sunday to try and beat us. And this is, I suppose, where competitive started. Then he's probably got the first taste of oh, this is great. You know, I mean these boys are easy bet, and the crack we used to have was unreal. It was just so funny. It was uh, but they copped on, they realized after. They said, I tell you what, we'll do. They put a guy below, and they've got to call in the blue pool, and it says well, you have to stay here now. And whoever doesn't turn up, we'll obviously know what's going on. So obviously we got called out. But yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was good. Then we bought motorbikes. bikes. We decided to go into motorbikes bikes. Then we bought two Honda fifties, and um, we were rallying 150s fifties on here, and our race is Honda And there was no, there was no enjoyment in there. There was only just you know, there was no um, kind of of... Um, holes out of this. Mm. So we decided we'd take the tire off the back of it and the tube. And we'd see who could stay on the bike the longest up the lane. Oh, we spent hours on this on the bike with we wheel, no turn the back ride it up the lane, see how far we could get without putting our feet in the ground. That type of innocence, you know, there was no mm. he never drank or he never smoked, you know. He um he just was and then obviously he got into horses. He was He got into horses very young. He was, um, his dad was um, big into horses and um, we were into the more uh, essence, the rally end of it. My father's mother done a bit of night navigation. And um, he then decided he'd, um, he got a job. He was very young. He went to work at 15. He was very young. He went to um, Limerick. He went down to Limerick to work as a, whip down there in Limerick Hunt. And he was down there and, yeah, we we used used to go down with his father every Sunday. And we used to go down and meet. Me just go put him there and um, then he went on to Wales and Wales I suppose now you have to remember he he was after coming from a big rally town Old Castle and he was after being at every rally and he was you know he was rallying was a big thing in life so but he was still wasn't rallying so he went over to England and he took up with this guy called Charlie and he got that little yellow samba he bought that beyond in Wales so he came home to me and he says, Oh, I'm after buying a rally car. And I says, Yeah, what did you buy? Now, at that stage, I was rallying at that stage. And he says, I'm to after to buying a little Calvet mm-hmm. kind of something? or a Calvet mm-hmm. kind of Samba. And I says, All right, okay. So he brought me off the road for a spinach would not pull the socks off you. Oh, bloody hell. it's not very quick, Rory. Really. Oh, yeah, that's a great machine, great machine, great machine, great machine. So he drive the ring out, but it'd it go nowhere. You'd walk with you. <laughs> of he got going on here next to this big Charlie, but he was he, he was a cab man. He was mad at carbs and jetting it, and he was a real good friend of Rory's beyond in in Wales. He hung out with Rory there for a good while. He was an elderly man, but he of was hands on cars. And he came home here, and I think the first rally he done was I think it was Old Castle, if I'm not mistaken, or it was Mynygarra. I think it was Old Castle. And he was the first rally he done it, and he done all right. He done all right. He might have won his class, you know, or came third in the class, and. He did, Yeah, he's always great. he came back and forth, back and forth a couple times, but didn't bring it over that many times because the boat was too expensive and he wasn't making big noise over here at the time. So he moved on from that. He went to Scotland then, and uh, moved up into Scotland. And he had still in December, and um, he moved into Scotland. And he um, turned around and he says to me, "I went over to see him one time." And then um, he says, I'm going to buy a new Granica. Right, yeah. I said, All right, said, okay. He says, Yeah, I'm looking at this 205. I says, Okay. You know, he says, Oh, it's X Forestry. And I says, Okay, right, 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 right. So we talked about it for a while and went over and eventually I went to back over he was after buying it. And then um, he says, I want to buy that sound. I said, oh, it was tough, right, okay, watch your. He says, Right, going good car and all this crap. And I says, Okay, okay. He says, but Wait to see. He says, What am after buying? So what did you buy? He said, Bad DVD. He says, now, it was HRS, you know them big HRS boxes, you know, the big old one. He says, how to left foot break. I said, yeah, he says, Rory, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, if you're going to go anywhere in rallying, you have to know how to left foot break. Oh, he says, fair enough, fair enough. And he says, yeah, hop in. He read a red golf for the time. He says, hop in. He says, I'm after learning. I know how to master this thing. He says, this is this is, this is is easy. Oh, he nearly kicked us. Oh, big the chase. right. <laughs> That's what, right. Yeah, it was up the road. and <laughs> Bell Hall, he was there with the throttle wide open and the foot on the brake, And oh, I well, look, it was great crack. But then anyway, he learned how to let foot brake. So he packed him home, obviously. And he was still in Scotland. He came home and he got a guy locally here to sit with him called Tommy Clinton. And next thing he said, I think he came home here. I think his first rally here was, I think it was Monon, or it was either Monon or Mullingar. And he entered the rally anyway. But you see, at that time he only the one point six license. He couldn't go into one point nine. I'm sure it was a one point nine, but he said it was a one point six, you know what I mean. <laughs> and um anyway, he, went in, he went in anyway. And next thing to jesus he was he had to fucking ease off. He was starting to beat them in the fucking one point nine, in the one point nine, in the sixteen on the class. Jesus, I think he won the class, I think or if he, he came second, he got he just Jesus, he says, these are fucking easy bets. He said, I said, not that fucking easy bet. I was trying to bet. Yeah. That easy bet. He says, the fucking easy bet. He says, Jesus. He says, but he had a right going, that was a right going good car. It was a right going good car. And I says, Jesus, says, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, uh, he regrets from there. Next thing he got the 1.9, he said he changed the engine. I oh, changed the engine and then he came back and he done a load of rallying with Tommy and he got, he was very quick. And next thing, Pat okay. was one of the scrutineers. And McRae was on the go at the time. And you might remember that McRae was after putting the big right, it's on every rally car now, big right down right on the on the side window, Galligan, Horn, or whoever would be down the side. That was, McRae kind of started that trend. So Galligan decided to put it on this car. So he put Galligan on the side of the car, and Rory on the top of it. And then some Pat Talon come up to him and he says, um, oh God, Rory, he says, I don't know whether this, I can allow this writing to go through scrutiny. I right, what the fuck is wrong with it? Oh, he says, you can't see out it. Now, in all fucking fairness, Pat, he says, if I have to look out that fucking wind, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I'm looking If I have to look out that wind, he's in fucking trouble. Well, anyway, that was him. And then, Jack it up, and he was 10. Are you sure this is a group end car? Are you sure this is a group end? Oh, yeah, Pat, yeah. Oh, she's fully group end. She's fully group end. But, you're looking crack. but he was quick. But... I'll give you an example of why I think he was quick. He was quick in his head as well as everything else. He was he I remember going to a rally well one time and um we decided um we'd um we, we decided we'd go the morning. I was doing it and I was ranking it and um we we're up in the mountains and there's a real tight narrow bit twos and ones and twos and threes and twos and ones and really all all tight, tight, tight stuff. And he says, What way would you drive down here? And he says and I says, oh, she' you be only in fucking second gear here, tapping and prodding, tapping and prodding. And I turn to him and I says, Why, what would you be doing? I'd be in toward a fourth gear. I say, what? He said, I'd be in toward a fourth gear coming down there. He says, I'm obviously say you're cutting that. How the fuck would you be going down there in toward a fourth gear? He says, think about it. He says, when I lift, if I'm coming down there hard in second gear, and I lift my foot off the throttle, he says, the car will automatically break. He says, where have I are in third gear, or fourth gear. He said, the minute I lift off the, key, the throttle, he said, the car will want to roll on. The gearbox won't slow the car down. He says, well, I'll be braking to slow the car down. So he says, minutely, I'll be taking back seconds because the car will be slowing down quicker than I'd be actually touching the brake. So I thought thinking about that. And he goes, you know, he could, he's, he's right. Think about it. Mm. You're in second gear, you're going to a corner, you lift off your throttle, and then you touch the brake. Mm where he thought, thought the casting was going on. Yeah, yeah. I understand. So this, yeah. is the, this is the way he was thinking. Yeah. So I stood back and I said, yeah, this is maybe why he's quick. Because if you ever looked at him in that five, he never looked quick. It was his times that was impressive. You looked down there, he was never sideways. He never was, you know, he was quick when you were sitting with him. But he wasn't mm-hmm. quick if you were standing on the side of the road looking at him. Mm-hmm. But you look at his times who were very impressive for shocking, impressive times. And that, I think, was the way You know, that's the way he was thinking of the natural head, thinking, you know, what? I'll throw the car down. The car won't throw me down. So by going in from second, it's called gear. It makes sense when you think Mm -hmm. about it. It makes sense, you know. So that was his his logical behind all that, you know. So, yeah, he was, um, but he wasn't just, Rory wasn't just into rallying. Rory was into, I suppose, everything. You know, like he was, I remember when we were growing up, we were riding round on broom handles, and the Aga Khan Cup we were going to win, the us, you know what I mean? And you know that was the Aga Khan Cup was what well we were going to win, and yet he won the British Cup, you know what I mean? So yeah, he he, but he was very determined. He was very very focused. If Rory Gallagher said he's going to do something, all odds against him, you you would not say well, it would happen because he would believe it can be done, and it does not it can't. It'll be done. I'll do it. You might succeed, but he would definitely give it it, it was hundred percent. You know, he'd give it a hundred percent. He wouldn't give it twenty 30, 40 50 percent, he'd give it one hundred percent. He'd be the max that he was not completely down. And I always said it, if you had any other disease, he would have probably fought. It's you know, he got the hand of death really, you know. So he was a very determined young man and, and he you know, he done he 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 went we went, you know. We went flying one time. We got flying lessons. We thought we'd go flying. We said, right, okay, we go flying. So we went up to Weston Airport. We're all off get. We're flying lessons for our birthday. So up we go on and stuff. You know, I put Gallagher up first. I said, here, you get in first and see how you get on. You know, I said, see how you are. on. She's like, Cessna come on. And fucking running like a dog a giant. And I said, she's popping and farting. And I saying fucking hell, this is a rough look, isn't it? And Gallagher in you know, Fucking you, go up I said, no, let me bother I said, you go up, you go up, so, and see how you are. So he gets hit around the so, Next thing, your man's out pulling the choke, in the river up and everything, and she's puffing and banging it. Next, he kicks off, and I could see get <laughs> hit the passenger seat, and he's fucking shitting it, and he's looking out the window, going fucking shaking his head, then wet <laughs> himself laughing on the ground. I says, you know what, fuck, I fucked the damn up Now I let him go on up. But <laughs> so, he can bag down. He was a wise ghost. I don't know why that's coming he says he says get in there. He says I says well, how bad is it? Oh, for fuck's sake! He says the is not running right at all. He says and the door is rattling when he goes to take off. He says it's fucking on, really. He says so I get into it anyway. So sure we were fucking around the same. Amount back. It was scary enough when you're doing the first landing. So anyway, I come back on the ground, land back, and I says the guy. I says well, what do you think? He says it's forty hours. He says to get a license. He says, yes, um, he says, that's a lot of money he says for a, a licence. And I says, yeah, yeah, but I think the, li- the licence were, were about 140 or 50 quid. And um, he says, it's a lot of money, he says, you know. And I says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're driving out of Weston, and at the very end of Weston, just before you go out the gates, there was a guy giving helicopter lessons. "Hold up, Mr hold up, hold up, hold up. He says, but Jesus, we'll, we'll quiz this lad and see how much the lessons are. So I said, well, fuck, I'm going to learn to fly a plane, not a fucking helicopter. Now, hold on, he says, be honest with you, he says, let's be honest here." He says, let's be practical. But that's the way we think it. Let's be practical, Stephen. He says, how many fuckers do we know that has a plane? Now, that was rally game, but a couple of fuckers, like, fitter on them, flying around in helicopters. And if we were able to fly it, we might get a spin in it. <laughs> <laughs> we went into a man. That was his mentality. So so the, the plane went out the window. So we went into helicopter licenses want to go flying yeah. helicopters what we did but um, yeah that was him well I was yeah. going
0: to tell you yeah the he brain- was Stephen the brain is something that uh, a lot of people have mentioned you know you, you were saying there about uh, the third and fourth gear like Andrew Brown Greg Shinners all-, all them have told me just his brain he wasn't just one step ahead he was a few steps ahead the whole time he just had that about him but the other thing we should probably tell our viewers and listeners is that like you were best man at his wedding and he was best man at your wedding am I right in saying that? That's
8: right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. They was, were good yeah. days. It's
8: ah. Ah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wouldn't be a man to head off to a stag. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, met, met, that's met. what we should pick up on as well. Actually, we can include yeah. that in this particular segment where he yeah. said he he didn't take a drink, and you've mentioned that, but his reasoning for mm. it you told me was because he said I'd be afraid. He of He said to
8: me one time. I asked him. I asked him one time. I says, um, probably I asked him one time. I says, you know, I was drinking. I was young at the time. I says, would you come for a drink? I said, have a drink and that's it. No, he says I. he says, No, no, no. And I says, Why well, would you have a fucking drink? He says, Oh, I might like it. I says, fair enough, fair fine. He never did, he never touched a drop, he never touched a drop. He never and he, he drink wasn't in his life, you know what I mean? Everything else, kids, family, you know, rallying, horses, dogs, you name it, it was in his life, but drink wasn't part of it, you know what I mean? And Greg Schenner's, yeah, he's right. He was a step ahead. Monty, you probably were talking to Monty as well. Monty could that he was, you know, he was way ahead of everything, way ahead of notes, way ahead of. He, he, he could produce. He was always thinking. He was always, you know, if and how he could get better. In it's hard to explain, but he was just, he was just very, yeah. He, he he's all right. There were he was four or five steps ahead, you know, but. I'm only giving it to a layman's terms, you know, what he was telling me, like, he'd be, might not give a good example, I suppose, it's hard to know, He just, he just ahead of himself, he was just, mm. yeah, he was probably six steps
0: ahead, that's basically it, you know. Yeah, and like, you were saying there, off air as well, in terms of the, the god awful illness that, that he got, you know, and he fought, he fought it so, gamely as well, you reckon if that was any other illness, like, other illness. Was, you know, he'd be sent. he says, always looking for an extra little bit, to try and, Find some yeah. way,
8: way, yeah. way The way you probably would describe Rory Gallagher's determination. People say, Oh, he's very charming, He's very determined. Very ignorant. Very, very, you know, fucking this is the way it's gonna be and this is what's gonna work. Like he he'd be he'd be solid. Like he'd be he would be solid he would he would not be any old oh well, I don't know. He'd be he'd make his mind up, he that's it that's the way this is it. It's gonna be no changes yeah. and if it falls between the two stools, it fell between the two stools and it's no one's fault, only mine. But he, you wouldn't bring him off to the side there now and wind him down another road. If that's his, if he believed that it will work, it will work. Hmm. I always believed if he had any other hand of God, he would have Like And as I said to you earlier there, he, he, what he'd do is, he'd go to the doctor. This would be exactly the way you explain this. he goes go to the doctor and he said to the doctor, he'd say, well, how am I getting on? And the doctor say, oh, you're going to die. What's my percentage? That's the first thing he'd say. What's my percentage? And the doctor might say, 90% you're going to die. Right. And he can go home, he says, is anything I can do to help that? And Rory would say, he'd say, oh, yeah, well, sure, if you eat healthy or if you do a lot of swimming and you do a lot of walking, it might. So, he'd, yeah, he'd go to the doctor and next he'd go back to the doctor after doing, maybe, say, a month of this crack. He'd go back to the doctor and the doctor said, 88%. So if he went back to the doctor and he says, you know, 88%, you're going to die. He'd turn around and he say, it's oh, working. I'll go, go six times more. I'll do ten more times go back to the doctor. And he said, well, you're now going to go 84% going to die. So he would win, no matter how long, you know, everyone would give up. Everyone say, oh, I'm dead, you know, going and die. You know, i 80% going and die. He wouldn't. He'd nibble and nibble and nibble and nibble at. He'd, once he was coming the right side of the coin, that worked for him. Right? And that's a lot of it with the driving, with the rallying. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember we were beyond in the rallying, and we are doing the bulldog and um, I think um, Evans was doing it at the time and Gwyndaf Evans was doing it and Gwyndaf obviously was in the world rallies out, I suppose he was just out of losing the seat there but he was driving a uh, MG and Gallagher was doing it I don't know what he was doing. I think he might have been in the Peugeot and um, Gwyndaf was taking 30 seconds of him easy now Galligan was going well but John one to me and he says to me see that that's the difference in me that's the difference in a world driver. He says, it's another step. He says, it's going to take me a long time to get there. But he never said he wouldn't get there. Hmm. Do you understand? But he knew that yeah. yeah. Evans was 30 seconds quicker than him, which was a ball of time hmm. with Gallagher, yeah. you know what I mean? But he knew he wasn't there, even though everyone was saying, oh, Rory Gallagher, Rory Gallagher, Rory Gallagher, but he knew in his head he wasn't there. But was yeah. he working? Absolutely. Behind the doors, he was working to be there. And he was going to be there someday. Would he be still rallying today? Who knows? He had two fabulous kids there and a wife. I don't think so. I think rallying would be pushed to one side. Would he be involved in rallying? Probably. Um, you don't know. In hindsight, we don't know. But, you know, but he was a horse, The daughter was into pony riding, you know, so so you don't know where he was going. Charlie's into the cars, big him into the cars. So maybe he was going to go down that road, you know. So yeah, he was very that's 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 the best way of determine, to say the role he's determined. You see the way he was able to
0: give
8: up and them percentages, everyone's percentage. But when he got well, it, well,
0: Stephen, Stephen, I'd say confident there as well, right? Because most people if you're looking at that and you don't have the frame of mind that he has and even if you take into consideration the machinery difference, if you're thirty seconds off you might say, oh, fuck it, I'm not good enough, even though you know, there's an obvious reason for it, but nope, not him. He, right, I'm still good enough, and I'm going to get here one day, I'm not here now. There's a serious lot to be said for having a mindset like that, and it's not everyone has it like
8: no, that's the way he's he'd never say, Oh, no, never be there. He, like, I remember him saying to me, I'll drive a car someday, and I said, Me too, Rory, you know, sure, so we're both rallying, we're both fucking young, we're both doing everything together. We grew up together. We fished together. We done everything together. We hunted. We we rallied cars together. We fucking done. We were done everything together. We were like brothers. Like I was probably Rory Gallagher's only brother. And I, he was probably my only brother at the time, you know. So he turned around and said, oh, I'll, I'll ride a I'll Rory Carr someday. And he did. He did. You know, so the determination was where I gave up by itself as you exactly said, 30 seconds. Never been, never, that's another lifetime away, you know, in rallying, And that, and, and, not this, this, down in poor old Winduff. he was gone. They were a lot quicker than Gwyndaff. You know what I mean? You had Spass in low the time, that you know, which was probably going to be four minutes. you know what I mean? of Rory rally if he was there. But he never says, no, I can't, I won't get there. He was determined he'd get there. Um, the disease, the de- I'll just talk about his disease for a little bit there. He he was married, he got married. He, he joined the fire service. His father was a fireman. Aidan was a fireman. And all we ever wanted to do was, we're going to win the Anglican Cup and be a fireman. That was our dream when we were kids. And we always wanted to be a fireman. I am in the fire service here in Ocasis, and Aiden was in the fire service. So he just got into the fire service and he was after been diagnosed with more neurons. And he obviously didn't get there to too long—only a couple of months—in the brigade. Um, which he took great pride in that, in his life, that he was a part of the fire service, you know. But he got when he went when he he always he always said that he got there. Now I'm only talking from what Royal Galligan's telling me, you know, I mean as a friend. So I'm only telling you what he's telling me, okay? But he always he always said in his head that he triggered a more neuron off himself. This is in his head, he said, I he says, I was pulling my wellies off one day to come in from the yard. And you know these yokes you stand in and there's a V in them for pulling your boots off. And he pulled his boot into it to pull it off and he found a twitch in his knee. He says, Jesus he said, so i pulling a muscle in my knee. And he caught nothing off and next thing he started to hop. So when he was hopping along and anyway, he realized that he was starting to trip. So to wind it on, on anyway, he realised that when you go to lift your foot on, the when you walk, whether you know this or not, now you probably know this already, when you go to walk, you ought lift your toe up off the ground. You yeah. Put your foot down, but Rory Galligan wasn't lifting his toe. And he was catching bits of kerbs and bits of I anything mean, that was I mean, a bit high, because the nerve was gone for lifting his toe. This is how it started. And we were calling him long, um, long concassity long with no leg and all the crap. We were doing horse, we didn't think it was any major illness, you know. sure would take big piss out in big time, but anyway, he was diagnosed and he didn't know no more than probably anyone that doesn't know what more neuron disease is or what it is. I know a lot about it now, obviously, when your best friend dies from it, mm-hmm. but it was just another you know, disease. What, what do you die from it? How long did do you, do you live or what? We didn't know damn all. But his father, Aidan Galligan, was a very hard man. He was a very straight, honest man. He was very, you know, don't give in. You know, he, Rory would have got a lot of that determination from him. Don't give in. Stand up. You know, he'd fall off the horse and Aidan would throw him back up on the horse. Get back up on that horse and ride that horse. Don't be afraid of it. The horse is not the bo- You're the boss. You're the boss. You know, you show him that you're the boss. You ride that horse. Get back up And Rory could be roaring crying as a child. Get back up in the horse. He was, you know, very... Mm. it He was very thorough, as in, you know, going to handing to feature. You. You, you know, get up and you know, dust yourself off and go again. That's Aiden Galligan's Marvel right? life. And he said, he said to me one time, I used to go up to him, he used to be he used to walk in the garage up the road and I end up to Monday and he used to sit with him for about an hour every day when he was sick. And we were talking and he said to me, He says, Oh, he says, you know, he says, um, he says, I I know, I know I was fucked, and you know when I knew I was fucked, Stephen? I says, No. He says, I went home after being diagnosed, he says, above a of more neuron disease. And he says, I didn't know what I was. He says, You know, I was just, you know, a disease or whatever. He says, just to look up at what I'm man says, look at go and get a second opinion and you know, don't take me before you know, get second or three or get three or four more opinions of this. Just don't get me. Get get loads of people. Says, I hope I'm wrong, says the doctor. So he come along the road and the first one in the ring was Trassa, his wife. And then Trassa um, says Oh, but he, says, he says, Oh, nothing that an old tablet won't fix the day, Darren. And he says, You know, that's the way he'd be brushing it off. You know, he didn't even tell him. He says, Oh, yeah, no, 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 no bother. Your man was at the doctor was after telling him. He says, um, have you anyone to drive you home? He says, Be Jesus is going a throw up and maybe drive home. you know, I'm not that bad. Well he says the news I won't tell you now it's not good news. But anyway, he went home anyway and he went into his father and his father his father be very quiet and very quiet man. And he went into Aiden and he said to Aiden, he says, he says well, well, what is it? And he says, Oh, but tell me. He says, I have um, more neuron disease. And he says, For the fourth time in my life, he said, my father sunk in the chair and didn't open his mouth for 20 minutes. He says, That's the day I knew I was fucked. He got out of the chair, he says, and he said, um, Did you tell your mother yet? He said, No. Sorry.
0: Okay.
8: He Sorry. said, did you tell your mother yet? And he said, no, don't go to the law. He said, I'll let it down now. He said, don't tell your mother. Make it down now." Sorry, Rebecca.
0: You're okay. You're okay, Stephen. Take your
8: time. <clears throat> anyway. Right. That was yeah. That was, yeah. am yeah. I just it all back, That was that was the hardest thing, I suppose. Because then he, he he knew no matter what doctor, again we go back to the attitude of you know, that ten percent, that commitment, that drive, he knew the man that reared him was fucking telling him in his own expression by saying, I can't give you a fucking answer here. Or Aiden Gallagher said, you'll be grand, dust yourself off and you'll be 100%. Yeah. You do this and do that. You know, but that was Aiden, and that's where Rory got his drive from. You know, because Aiden, you know, he was a hardy man. He'd nothing to face Aiden either. He was a great huntsman. Aiden Gallagher was a great huntsman. He, You know, he was a, you know, a good man and Rory was a good man. They, they, that's, they bounced off each other. They were very alike. So, then, that was that was the disease, obviously, and then. Um, but then, in saying that, he got that disease, and then he, I'm sure, I used to go up from every day, and he says, next um, obviously, as you know, the disease. It's not, it's not nice talking this, but anyway, it happened, I suppose. So we obviously have to talk about." It. So then he started to slow down, and as you know, with more neuron disease, it affects every outer limb who walks its way in. The one he has, so basically, you start not walking, you start not using your hands. So everything slows down. And then the next thing is your body internal in organs. And then the last thing that slows down is your brain. Your brain is perfect. And for Rory and I to talk was probably the most frustrating bit. Right? But he he kind of, did he accept it? I don't know. But he kind of, um, he turned around and he, he says to me, he says, you know, I'm starting, I'm, I'm getting it, I'm a bit windy. He couldn't tell his mother this. See, obviously his dad was after dying. And he couldn't tell his mother this. He says, um, how Bit shaky coming in there driving a the car in the road? He says, How can really get around the weasel's corner there, Stephen? He says, I couldn't do hundreds here. And he says, Yeah, he says guy, you can't get that bollocks. I says, You get killed. Or you kill someone. Oh, I know, but he said, I can't I can't give in. He says, I can't give in. I can't give in on this. He says, I need to be able to move. So we both agreed. I said, You know what we'll do? We'll buy you a gator. And I'm an engineer, right? So we bought a gate and this is what probably kept him going for a good bit. So we, we bought a farm gator. You know these farm John Deere farm gears mm-hmm. So I converted it to a joystick. So it could be driven by a joystick. So I took the CN out of it and we took out the CN box and we took out the CN rack and all that. And we converted the whole thing just like a wheelchair. So that you get into it and you had a joystick basically to drive the whole thing back, forward, left, right, reverse, all that. So this gave him great time because not only was I making it, he was helping me make it. So he, we'll say, the right gearbox, or the right steering box for it. He'd steering wheel, he'd this. He, so, so, he was great. He had great interest in this. Even though he was doing it for himself to get around the farmyard, this is where, you know, he, he, he the brain was still able to work and was able to keep him occupied and all that. So that's the downside. it. unfortunately, then he went too bad. Then now with that, and then obviously he was presented to wash into a chair and stuff. Like anyway, but um, yeah, any other disease, he probably would have, you know, probably would have survived. But he didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Still, still always looking for that little percentage. For an answer. You know, um, yeah. to to wrap it up, Stephen, you you said that you saw him through a few phases of life, and you put this very well to me off there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I
8: seen hero. Rory Gallagher. I seen Rory Galligan coming, being a boy into a man and becoming a hero and a father. And that was Rory Gallagher. He just was unique. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, he was a good guy. We went, if <laughs> I we were going to give you a good one, we had a mini, that white mini, this white mini. His mother hated it because, um, the, re- the registration was 761 RIP, rest in peace, and his mother used to terrify that we'd get killed But mm-hmm. not, we had enough speed to get killed. But anyway, we decided, we his father bought a garage down the and I served every time with his father they see in the garage. And um, we decided we'd paint the car. All we went in, and the next thing we took on to paint it white. And we used to go in at night. We were allowed in at night after six or seven o'clock at night, and we were allowed to work at it. And we do all bits and pieces while right? we turn the wheels outside and doing all this out, messing around with it. But anyway, we decided we painted. And this just shows you how naive we were at the time. So we decided we painted white. So, what paint? We went up to the co op and we bought Uno White Gloss. Right? We tinned it out, we put on the dinner, right? then we spread the whole car white. Right? Took about fucking six days for it to dry. And the whole garage the next morning was covered in overspray. Oh, you want to see it? Everyone was white. The fucking car next to it was snow white. Oh, Paul it, went ballistic. He caught a pair of these trousers. Isn't come down here and chain up all this overspray? And you're not even dry. when you rub it, it go white. Yes, oh, we broke our hearts. Oh, very funny. That was him. Yeah.
0: Lots of, yep. lots of their stories, Stephen. I'm sure we could go on for hours and hours and hours, like uh, mm. our other, other guests have, have said as well. But uh, I, I've asked a lot of people this, and I'll ask you to finish up on it as well. Uh, what, what what would you say if I was to ask you to describe Rory Gallagher, the person, and Rory Gallagher, the driver? Then, in short,
8: Rory Gallagher, the person, I suppose, he's even he a giant, he was a great friend, he was always there for you, and then. He was solid as a rock. He was a great mate, and still is in the head. Mm-hmm. Rally driver, a lot of potential. He definitely, definitely would be up there today, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, with his commitment and determination. If he just got the break in life, you know. I remember him before, just before you go, he was very sick, and he was in the. I was up in there. I was in the garage room sitting there one day and he goes, oh, look at that, he says, and he showed me over a piece of paper. And it was a credit union slip. And he says, what's that? There was my final payment, he says, on all the rallying. It's all gone. It's was the last payment out today. He's like, I owe no more money for rallying, he says. And I says, Jesus, that's great. And he says, yeah, wouldn't I be some bollocks if I had to listen to everybody? He's not enough to rally and borrow money to rally. He said, I'd still be sitting in this wheelchair and I've fucking nothing achieved. He says, I've a lot achieved in such a little time. for he, yeah. he says, and I just thought that was a good one too. He says, if I had to listen to them all, he says, I would have been the bollocks. He says, I have achieved a lot of rallying in my day. But he did. But he did and he enjoyed it. He was very quick. He was a quick guy. Oh. So, he used to he used to live on the um, as Colin McRae says, and I, I think it's a great quote. He says, "How did you do it?" And McRae turned around and he says, "Just roll quicker than anyone else." I thought that was a great speak. Yeah. But Rory did the same. He met McRae one time before a goal. He says, "Met McRae one time." And i was a big McRae fan. I used to think McRae was a great driver, which he is a great driver. And he says, "This more up here and meet McRae," and he was after getting presented with a cup from McRae a couple of months ago. So he goes up to McRae. McRae was standing there and he turns to Colin McRae. He comes over to me. He's there. And he's talking to us. And, and um, next thing says Callaghan, Only one thing, he says. Uh, Only one thing with you, he says, uh, Colin. What's that? He says, you picked the wrong fucking driver. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, picked, he picked fucking, what do you call him, baby? Oh, what do you call him? Um, Meek, Chris Meek, you see, and Chris Meek and I can't think were... Big, big rivals there, yeah. Yeah, big rivals, I'm sure. Gally was beating Meek hands down, you know, at the time. So he was, but, you know, I just picked the wrong fucking driver, he says. Because <laughs> um, Gally, you know, he didn't like
0: him.
8: And I, I don't know, he says, no, I just picked the wrong man. Yeah,
0: yeah.
8: That, that was him.
0: McRae just had a laugh at you soon. Oh, what, sorry? Did McCray just have a laugh then,
8: yeah? Of course, of course he did, he laughed me, it off. Yeah. Of course he laughed it off because he knew well, he knew Rogan well, sure. He yeah, yeah. probably was right, you know. But yeah. there was another bit of argy-bargy with them all, you know. There was always a bit of crack, you know. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, of
0: course,
8: yeah. But yeah I suppose you asked me a question there about Rory the rally driver. Absolutely natural talent showed out Rory Gallagher from year dot, from the day he started to drive a car. It was his natural talent, just John and John and John and everything. He didn't have to look or it was effortless to him. Driving a car was effortless. He, he probably heard this. I'll tell you, he was walking in Kildaya, below the ones and he got a, you know, a guy called Brendan Crowe or Brendan Creeley. Brendan Creeley owned a rally school in Silverstone. And he came home here and he opened up a rally school below in Wicklow Forest. And he got Galligan in to drive for him because Gallagher was doing well and Brett, actually I think Brennan Creeley won the Peugeot uh, I think I think Creeley won something with Peugeot and that's how they got to know each other but they got became very good friends and because Rory being Rory he got the rally school it was called Rally Experience and he got it up to Old Castle he got it up to a friend of his in the farmyard and he got a track built and he got Creeley to come up and rent it all off. And we, I was running the cars, and Gallagher was doing the driving, and everyone was hunky-dory. But Gallagher was a lunatic. He would drive the absolute shit out of this. He had a two or five. Now, we were talking about spectators. You right? had to bring them around. And you bring them around for a couple of laps. You let them drive, and you, you, know, you show them how to drive, and you let them do all their bits and pieces. But Gallagher, then, was to give them the demo at the end of the rap and at the end of the day, they'd give him Galligan the game at Gallagher, or whoever, Jimmy Crozier was there as well. Or Swervey, Mervy, Mervyn Hill. They'd go round and give them a couple of lapses that'd say this is the way it should be done, bada Or Gallaghan. Gallaghan come down to the roof of the game, <laughs> <laughs> He took up and tossed the two oh five, your man inside us, and he come down in front of Creeley. And Creely said, oh, for fuck's sake, Galligan, you're only supposed to drive 10% more than they're driving. That's all you have to do. You don't have to fucking drive it flat out, you know. You don't have to fucking, it's not a rally, just 10% more, 10 fucking percent more. Why are you driving? driver would be laughing his heart off. Oh, should they have to get it out in the spill, you know? Oh, fucking crackle. Oh, yeah. So,
0: yeah,
8: broke Creely's heart.
0: He broke Creely's heart. Vernon Creely. Yeah. So that was the story of Rory Galligan, the person, and Rory Galligan, the driver. Emotional, fun and endearing, which undoubtedly were characteristics of the man himself. The Irish Early Podcast would like to especially thank the Galligan family for giving us the blessing to make this programme. We also want to thank those who helped us from a research point of view and with footage. Lastly, if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so to the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association at imnda.ie.